What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, some of you were asking when I was going to finally drop the Hillary McBride episode. Hillary is incredible, as you're about to hear. She is a therapist, a researcher, a speaker, and a writer. You're about to hear that she's a therapist because this is basically a therapy session. So much so that we've already booked her return episode because we we foolishly booked this when we both only had two hours to talk. And you'll see by the end of the two hours it was when we basically would have started getting into her. This is like a two-hour – I mean Val comes in. <laughs> we like do – Therapy with Hillary, who is such an incredible listener. Um, I basically just spill everywhere. And we had a great time. But uh, fear not, for those of you that don't, uh, like me, that feel like we didn't get enough of Hillary out of this episode, she's already booked to come back. And uh, she's already one of my favorite guests that we've had. So I'm excited about the next one coming up, which will drop as soon as we record it. In the meantime, you get to hear the giggly, effervescent, exciting, and eager first-time chat. This is the first time that we had met. Hillary is also the host uh, with my dear friend Science Mike and Michael Gunger. She's one of the hosts of the Liturgists podcast, which I highly recommend. They did an episode with it called Ask uh, Hillary McBride. Um, on It was either on Science Mike's uh, pod. I think there's a podcast called Ask Science Mike, and they did an episode where it was Ask Hillary McBride. And I listened to that, and that is where I got hooked and couldn't wait to talk to her. So if you're if you're eager for more of her wisdom, you can always listen to her episodes. There's multiple of the Ask Science Mike podcast as well. Um, so she is incredible, 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 incredible. Um, I do want to plug a couple things. As always, the book, Comedy Sex God, is uh, available now. I have some stand-up dates. I'm going to be at Largo here in Los Angeles on July 18th and August 29th. Those shows are always incredible. Uh, go to Largo-LA.com for tickets. I'm also going to be a part of the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal this year. I'll be there the week of July 24th. Um, and there's going to be a live You Made It Weird there as well. So look for the uh, Just for Laughs website for that. A couple Pete's picks that I'm very excited about, one of which I'm sitting next to is my Clear Light Sauna by Jacuzzi. Um, I know you guys know most episodes start with a comment about the sauna. I love my sauna. It is the highlight of my day. It is my personal sanctuary where I sweat it out, relax, and just feel fantastic afterwards. So I'm so thrilled that they reached out to become a Pete's Pick. There was a study, uh, a cardiovascular study done over 20 years where they looked at 2,000 plus people and they showed that people who use a sauna four to five times per week had a 50% less chance of sudden cardiovascular death, which is fucking incredible. Basically, it's my cardiovascular workout. It's the only one that I enjoy. (laughs) It's the only one that I can commit to. And 30 minutes in a sauna, you feel it. You feel your heart rate jack. Obviously, you're sweating a lot, but it's not unpleasant. But you sit in there 300 to 800 calories per 30 minutes, basically while you sit and watch movies. It's hooked up to Bluetooth. I listen to a lot of books in there. I listen to a lot of podcasts in there. I watch a lot of movies in there. And I'm burning 800. Well, I I go in for about an hour. So 1,600 calories basically while I'm sitting there enjoying myself, which is fucking incredible. It's a great detox. You sweat out heavy metals, alcohol, nicotine, anything nasty that's in your system. 
wonderful for muscle. It's better than a massage. You're basically heating up your body with infrared rays, so it's not actually hot in there. It heats you up with safe infrared technology and soothes the muscles from within. It also is a great thing if you feel a cold coming. It's a way to induce basically an artificial fever. Cut the cold off at the pass. I, I haven't had a cold in a very long time, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm cooking myself on a regular basis. So go to jacuzzisaunas.com and mention this podcast. You will get $400 to $600 off depending on the model that you get. They have some that are small, that are about the size of a phone booth. I got the one that is basically, they say it's for five people or it's for one Pete because I'm six foot six and I like to lie down in there. So I'm lying down under chromotherapy lights with infrared sauna, getting a cardiovascular health boost while I'm watching Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, come on. That's some pretty good stuff. Go to jacuzzisaunas.com and uh, if you're itchy, try it, get one, and show your support of this podcast. I'm also, another Pete's pick that I'm rocking currently are my MeUndies lounge pants. These are Star Wars lounge pants. Get a lot of comments, these pants. Me and uh, Michael Gunger were joking that if we did have a religion, there would be only one commandment, and it's thou shall wear soft pants. And the MeUndies lounge pants are the softest, most comfortable pants that I own for lounging, for sleeping. I walk the dog in them. I don't care. I walk the baby in them. They're made from micro-modal... Not on a leash. I hold baby Lee and Walker around. They're made out of micro-modal fabric, which is three times softer than cotton. They fit fantastic. They have crazy, fun, cool prints. You can get boring if you want just like black or tan for your, you know, you're going to the prom. You don't want to be too crazy under there. Or if you want to be fun, get some uh, Eskimos skiboarding. Skiboarding? Don't mind my dad. Skiboarding. I'm sticking with it. They have fun patterns that put me in a good mood. They have fantastic fit. And they feel like proper grown person, perfectly fitting, soft ass underwear that I Love, me and Val both, before we were even uh, doing these Pete's Picks, we did a complete underwear overhaul, and then I reached out, and I said, I love these underwear, and I love these lounge pants. Can you guys uh, sponsor the podcast? I said, yeah. And here's what you do. Go to meundies.com slash weird, and you'll get 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. That's meundies.com slash slash weird. My favorite underwear. My fave. My faves. Uh, and continuing on in the Pete's Picks, the original Pete's Pick, also sitting here next to me on the desk. I've been writing. I've been taking my Charlotte's Web hemp oil. You guys know this. Charlotte's Web hemp oil is the only CBD oil made, grown in America, for human consumption. It's not made to be a belt or a sack. It's made to be grown and pressed into oil food grade for human consumption. It's made from the hemp plant. Obviously, people smoke hemp to get them stoned, but it doesn't get you stoned. They use science to extract the stony making THC and they leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. CBD for me, speaking personally, is a wonderful stress reducer. It's a wonderful mood elevator. Helps me work. It doesn't cloud your brain like hemp can. It helps me focus. It helps me relax into whatever I'm doing. Helps me merge into whatever I'm doing. Helps me laugh a little bit easier, smile a little bit easier. Wonderful when I'm stressed. Great when I'm not stressed. It just is a wellness enhancing 
uh, plant ally is what I like to call it. Wonderful for uh, pain uh, of all kinds. They also have bombs, which is wonderful to get hemp on you to soothe your skin. I enjoy that very much as well. The kind that I use, let me make sure I get this name right because they just changed the name, is Original Formula. I get the mint chocolate flavor, tastes like a Thin Mint, makes you feel better than a Thin Mint. All you got to do, show your support of this podcast. The best thing to, to get to know it is to try it. Go to cwhemp.com slash weird and you'll get 10% off if you use the promo code KEEPITCRISPY19. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Speaking of which... Man, I use all of these. That's the whole point of Pete's Picks is these are actual things. I'm basically describing my day. I saunted. I put on my, my lounge pants, took some CBD while I was writing. And for breakfast, I had, you know it, cachava. Cachava. Cachava is a plant-based, born-in-the-jungle, exotic, nutrient-rich superfood drink mix made with superfoods revered by tribal cultures for centuries. I said it, basically, for the first time. I never can say that. It's 100% plant-based. People are wondering, I want to eat better. I want to eat more plants, but I don't know how to get it. Boom. Get it shipped to you. 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s, not from fish in some barrel somewhere that you don't know where they're getting it and they're just squishing it and weird gross oils are coming out. Omega-3s from chia seeds, from flax seeds. You got eight super fruits in there, 17 greens and veggies. This is why I love it. When I'm traveling on the road, it's really hard to find ways to get greens and veggies in you. Boom, 17 are in Kachala. It's gluten-free, it's soy-free. There's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives, but it's delightfully sweet because it's got a little bit of coconut nectar in there, which is a low glycemic sweetener. It's also got powdered coconut milk in there, which when you mix it just with water, turns into coconut milk, which makes it very creamy, mixes with the chocolate, tastes like milk chocolate. It's digestive support built in. It's 1,000 grams, milligrams, excuse me, of adaptogens, 24 grams of plant-based protein, makes it a wonderful meal replacement, makes it wonderful for after a workout, nine grams of fiber, but it's actually delicious. Val laughs at me because I'm like, she even eats it. But the truth is she doesn't like a lot of the weird superfood things that I'm making in the house. But she loves cachava. I throw some frozen strawberries in there with the chocolate, scoop of the chocolate, scoop of the vanilla. Tastes like an Oreo with a little strawberry in there. Makes you feel amazing. Basically a nutrition high. I would wager more nutrition in one of these smoothies than most people are getting in a month because of the macaroot, because of the raw cacao. It is a meal in a pill. And you get 20% off. Show your support of this podcast, do your body a favor, and try Kachava, Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird, and you'll get 20% off. Okay, that's it. Try some Kachava, wear some MeUndies, listen to this in the sauna. As Val said, what are you doing? Not listening to this in a sauna? Get into it and get some Charlotte's Web hemp oil on top of all of that. In the meantime, hope to see you at Largo, hope to see you at Montreal, and keep in mind, this is just the first Hillary McBride. We are only just now beginning to uh, peel away the onion of splendor that is Hillary McBride, but this first chat was an amazing beginning, uh, so please enjoy, and if Val were here, she would say, get into it, get into it. Well, because I'm a comedian, I'm like, you mean the first act? That's what an MC is in the comedy world. We need to be sensitive about our language. I, I'm just teasing you. I'm teasing you. I know you. Okay, good. I hope you knew. I would see for a second. I thought 
maybe you thought I was being real. I know. We don't know each other well enough to know, like, the... No, it's funny. If I'm... How I'm perceiving you. I know. We could... We could check in at the... (laughs) Sorry, I just went into, like, clinical mode. At the end of our interview... I always do. And then see if our perceptions of each other upon initial Oh, check in about that specifically. I always check in and say, are you okay with this? Was this okay for you? Yes. That's a very therapeutic question. There's a couple therapeutic things... NTB, not to brag. But <laughs> I've had therapist listeners tell me that they're like, uh, this is just straight therapy. I'll say it's a safe space. You, I mean, it's, so, it's such a funny thing. I always say this. Everybody that listens knows that I'm going to say this. It's like, it doesn't really make it any safer to say it's safe. No. In fact, as a therapist, <laughs> I would actually say you get to decide if it's safe or not. Oh, that I don't say. See, I knew right? you were going to up-level me. No, no. <laughs> But I find my hoedown, you know, dollar ninety nine yeah. version of just saying it's a safe space yeah, right. yeah, usually right. works. Yeah. But your uh, up level is tell me, I, I'm I'm being real. Yeah. So as a trauma therapist, um, what so you I'm, work with people in like past trauma, recent uh, trauma, both. Yeah. So okay. trauma is a really interesting thing because it's are, we're going for it. We're just jumping right in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. That's one of the yeah. ways I traumatize the guests. Oh, this is... we just begin. <laughs> <laughs> Every guest. No, we're just having a conversation. Starts, well, that's part of the thing too. <laughs> yeah. That's also why I don't like chit chat. You guys were chit chatting. Oh, I don't know if worst. you picked up on my stress cues, but yes, I was like, I, I like the first moments to be recorded. <sighs> and if you get too comfortable out there not that i want you uncomfortable i just want that initial yes. hello to be on the show Here. yeah not every every podcast i do we talk for 20 minutes and i'm like this is the good stuff right. and then they're like let's yeah. roll yeah yeah keep going so trauma therapists um or I'll, I'll back up and say trauma is this really interesting thing because it's not defined by the event that's happened it's defined by how your body responds and Isn't so that you, everything by the way what, <laughs> what you just said yeah like yeah, nothing basically. is what it is. It's how right. we respond to it. Yes, exactly. Isn't that a big part of your work? I've done some mm-hmm. some mild research. Oh. <laughs> and like anxiety isn't, you know, it's not the thought. It's how we, re- our relationship with the thought, wouldn't you say? Yes. Although there are some things that have cognitive aspects to them, that, which would be diagnostically specific. So anxiety shows up in a few specific ways. But I think of trauma in terms of like this broad swath of activities that could happen of experiences that could happen, but our bodies respond in a, in the same way. So some people will say, but I've never been to combat. So how can I have PTSD or I've never Dude, been sexually you've, assaulted. You've already uncovered one of the things that we say on this all the time, which is your shit is your shit, which right. I learned in my therapy, which yes. is like you feel, especially somebody I grew up upper, upper middle class. Can I get a little bit more of me and my things? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, girl, but I didn't know if that would be respectful. I'm on, like, super good behavior. What? Yeah, Katie. You're powerful. I don't know, because you're a therapist. It's fine. It's just tease. It's just tease. I'm not working right now. I know. We're going to we're gonna talk about how coffee gives you the shits, and that, oh, yeah, that way I'll yeah, keep yeah, you yeah. off your, okay, good, good. your podium. Yeah. Yeah. Podium? Podium. Podium. Yeah. What was I saying? Were we? Oh, so your, your shit, shit is your shit. shit. So I grew up upper middle class. So, like... I still, when I meet with my brother, we'll talk about our family. Mm-hmm. And then you can see the program, the old script running, which is like, yeah, but dad's family. And we talk about how my father's family was harder for him. Mm-hmm. Or our cousins, or, 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 or I, I don't have a specific cousin I'm thinking of. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you'd say any other person that we knew and be like, well, they didn't have hands or whatever it might have been. And we're like, okay. 
It takes a lot of yeah. work to get over that and just be like, sure. Yeah. Some people do have combat trauma, but your trauma might be right. Whatever it is, right? Right. Yeah. So there are some people who will who will struggle with understanding that that what they're living through is trauma because they associate trauma with a specific event or series of events when actually it's what your nervous system is doing in response. Hmm. So in terms of our initial comment about safety, there's this really interesting thing, uh, a term coined by a, a researcher named Stephen Porges, who I'm really, really into his work. Um, he's the creator of polyvagal theory. I can tell you more about... Polyvagals? Bagels that fuck other bagels? Vagal. Bagel. V. <laughs> oh, vagals. <laughs> vagals that fuck other bagels. The vagus nerve. It's this information superhighway between the brain and the body. And it's kind of like this missing link that we've been missing for a long time about... Wh- how it's all connected in our body, how the things that we think in our nervous system and our organs are all working together to respond to cues in our environment and inside our body interoceptively to help us make decisions about what to do next. This he- was the big bridge between the brain and the body? Is that yes, what yes. So Stephen Porges, creative polyvagal polyvagal theory coined this term neuroception, which is this implicit, subjective, non-conscious assessment millisecond to millisecond in any environment that tells your body if what you're encountering is like something that you've been through before that's been dangerous. Oh. Yeah. And so neuroception, not conscious thinking, not conscious evaluation, neuroception is a thing that tells your body if you're safe or not. Before you've thought about it. Yeah. So it's really subcortical which means that it's it's housed in the area of the brain that's deep below the the very small piece of tissue that's right, responsible for conscious right. thinking. I think that's one of the weirdest ways that shows up is with faces where you're just like that's a nice person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this changes people's lives. This changes like juries are doing it. Yes. And we're just like aware of it. Yeah. Like why we're not doing law in a vacuum. You know what I mean when we right. have the science yeah. for like like with casting when when we would okay. read an actor would be like we would joke. Yeah. And, and when I'd audition for things, we would joke, I must look like the casting director's ex-husband. Because you're saying, yes. they just don't like me. Yeah. And of course, that's a factor. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying consciously. I'm saying somewhere in there, you're going like, something about them. But who knows what story you're picking up. But forget casting. That's boring and only applicable to me and a few people. <laughs> but like, in court... Right. That yeah. is super yeah. applicable. Why aren't we doing like a minority oh, yeah. report white room where you are just your consciousness uploaded and you just get fed data? Yeah. When we're saying like black people get incarcerated mm-hmm. this much. So why does the jury know they're black? You know, why does the yeah. judge know they're yeah. black? I don't understand what's going on here. If we know this, if we know that we're stupid lizards and that we're and that you're saying on a subconscious level or an unconscious level, yes. yeah. we're making adjustments like we do this when we watch shark tank we go like do you think this person's gonna get a deal you know what i mean and we're just basing it on their body language their gait their shoulders all these things we're like their voice Mm -hmm. so the the, it's unfair the theoretical or psychological language for that would be transference yeah so how we establish patterns with people or have experience lived experiences with people that imprint on us and then how we transfer that to different situations so we'll have people come into my my clinical office and we'll meet me and we'll be like i don't like you 
Really? They've never had an interaction. They've actually got a <laughs> referral from their. I don't like you. Their f- I love how honest they are. You must kind of enjoy that they're being that yeah, honest. Well, then we jump right you in. Can We're work like, with it. Tell exactly. Yeah, tell me who hurt tell you. Tell me what's going on. Yeah, can yeah. you notice? And we'll move right away into that. Like, what it? What happens if I move further away from you or closer to you? Right. Is there a feeling in your body that you get when you? You look mean at physically? My face? Yes. Like I'll move my chair away. Yes. Yeah. And and what happens if I turn away? Or there's some really cool stuff in a specific kind of therapy I do called one eye integ- or observed and experiential integration OEI, where based on how your brain is storing images, if you isolate one eye, sometimes you can access the transference more or less. Oh my god! So someone will That's cover so their cool. eye, and they're like, "You look, you look like my abusive grandma." mother and oh, I can wow. see it right away. This is why I hate pirates. <laughs> I never trust a pirate. Trust but if he pirate. moves the patch to the other eye, you know it's it's an accessory. He doesn't right. need it. It's not a medical advice. Right. He's wearing He's it to look it scary. Around. He can move it yeah. to the other eye depending on if he wants to be scared. Yeah. But that's so interesting. When you covered your eye, yeah. it, it, Val and I sometimes gaze at each other and it's yeah. interesting you see how your brain is building a story mm-hmm. with a face mm-hmm. because you can see her face moving right and and you're like oh wow my brain is going almost i I wonder obviously it's unconscious but i like i like her to look this way so it almost like favors something i don't know i don't know yeah that was just a guess well do you want to try an experiment sure okay cover one of your eyes fully and completely and just have a look at me yeah and see notice how far away from you i look notice the how the light is hitting my face notice if you have a sense or a feeling when you look at me mm-hmm. notice if you feel anything kind of in in your body if there's any colors that come out if there's a tone a memory just anything that comes to the I surface wish i had an eye patch that's yes. a feeling i'm having okay okay <laughs> Okay, now Wait, I wish I still had that eye okay, patch. Stay with me, Pete. Stay with me. Okay. Stay with this experience. Yeah, do you want me to do that live? No, don't say no. anything. Okay. Close your eyes. Now cover the other eye before you open. There you go. Now open the other <laughs> eye. Okay. And again, same thing. Notice how far away from you I look. Yeah. Notice color, tone, feeling, memory, sense. Maybe even what you think I'm thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. Same or different? It's very different. Interesting. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. So So weird. Sometimes we get, do you want to tell me what came up? You don't have to, but I'm, well, I'm, I'm, it's interesting. The vision in my left eye is just worse. So when I, when I was looking with that eye, but this is interesting. You're not about vision. H McBee. You're so interesting (laughs) because look at what's going to happen. I feel like it's interesting when I was seeing you with my less good eye. Mm. Or the eye that sees less well. Yeah, with less visual with acuity. With less visual acuity. I was looking for the way to not judge my eye. Because he's a great <laughs> team is. player with my right eye. And they make a shared vision. They do. It's 2020. You need them. That's pretty good. Oh, that's but he's, uh, you know, he's a little foggier. Yeah. yeah. But when I was looking through the foggier mm. eye, I was worried that you were judging me, that mm. you saw me as weak. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Because I was looking through, I saw blurry, and I was like, she's going to smell my fart. That's oh, the feeling. Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for the fart laugh. Yeah. Hillary was being in her sensitive place, so she yeah. just stayed beautiful. But I, but isn't that weird? Yeah. So, like, when we're feeling mm-hmm. uh, vulnerable, or mm-hmm. we're feeling like we're wearing a shirt that we think is making us look fat, or whatever yeah. it might be, we go around seeing that on others. Yeah. Isn't that one of the lessons? It's true. Yeah, projecting, right? Yeah. Projecting our insecurity onto the maybe the reactions like, of others. It's like the uh, it's the inverse of the other yeah. thing you mentioned. Yeah, transference. Um, it's in the family. 
What is projection? Oh, in the same family? Yeah. yeah all in the psychodynamic, psychoanalytic kind of Visual. way of thinking about things. Yeah. No, more like the interpersonal patterns that we play out in our perception and conceptualization of interactions that are actually about us, but yeah. we think are about someone right. else or the other right. person. Yeah. Which is a deeply, we usually get to spirit at the end, but that's a very spiritual thing. Yeah. It's like looking for objective reality is what spirituality is right. about which is funny because it gets this like rap for being so for me it's, okay. it's, it's at least part of it okay it's like is that it's like woo woo uh meaning your thoughts are not real is right. like a cornerstone right the challenge a lot of spirituality. the challenge that i have with like saying that spirituality is the search for objective reality is that like it's really hard to hold that and a constructivist worldview at the same time mm. because objective reality implies like the essence of something well, go ahead nope you. nope nope Nope. Nope. I just you? got excited. I want to hear it. The ex- the uh, existence of something. The, the existence of an <laughs> essence, like something tangible that is real, that is concrete. So that it implies there's something real. But constructivism, like at its like it's at its extreme, says that there isn't anything real. It's all construction, mm. including our perception of what is real, what is essence. So like it, it's kind of the fundamentally diametrically like opposed in terms of a philosophical worldview to say that there is an essence or it's all construction. But a lot of spiritualists say it is all a construction. Right. So objective yeah. reality is that there is no objective reality. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. But it is interesting how sometimes people don't understand the tension between those two things and will say things like, it's all a construction, but I'm on the search for like... Truth. Truth. Right. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's yeah. about unlearning rather right? than... Yeah, I, I'm really trying to oh. drop stuff. So when I say like, that person's an asshole, yeah. I'm like... Like what our friend Gunger, Michael yeah. Gunger says... St. Gungi. St. Gungi's. I, I call know, him St. Gungi's. Doesn't do. it fit? <laughs> I, I used that as a label for him last night. Uh, it's funny. They're such a gift to us. Yeah. They're just... I, I say it all the time. You know, it's a funny thing. It's like, I feel like flowers, it's such a romantic thing to say about friends, I guess, but it's like flowers open and bees show up. Mm. I feel like we sort of, Val and I opened in a way and then mm. more beautiful, more and more, more yeah. as a judgment, but I'm just saying different mm. types of beautiful friends started showing up and Michael and Lisa are those mm. two and their kids as well. Just the whole, the, unit. the whole just unit. The whole it's unit. It's true. But what, what uh, Ganges gives me that, I think about all the time is is the idea of story is that everything's mm. a story. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to the first thing we were saying is when I look at somebody and they look like my father or you know here even better just cars. Okay. I'm on the freeway and I see a truck. I, I I've had this thought many times. I'm like I need someone in a Dodge Ram to uh get out of their car and like have lunch with me because oh. every time I see one I'm just like what do you uh, like? I I think yeah, bad things. I yeah, think you're yeah, yeah. I think you're violent. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I know that's silly. It's usually a Ram plus Calvin is peeing on the Ford logo right. on the back. Truck nuts. Tr- truck nuts. Yeah. Or the the Trump flag with the purple stripe oh. or whatever it is. But these are like little cues that they're faces we put on our cars. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Well, our brain is like so good at making truck associations. Nuts. Yeah. I went what there. is truck nuts trying to tell us though? I'll oh. show. I so will show you yes. my dick. I'll show you my car's dick. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what it's. It's a lot. This is like the embodiment of toxic masculinity hanging from a car. Yes, yes. made in some horrible factory <laughs> yes, some by children. Made. That's right. And they're yeah. like, "What are these for? 
I can't tell you. Yeah. But our brain makes associations between things. Like if you think about what it would be like to move through the world without those associations, every time we sat in a chair, we'd have to wonder, will the chair hold us? Yeah. Right. There, some things have to be associations have to be made. And so I think the challenge or the task, or maybe the responsibility of adulthood is understanding which associations don't work for us, which tear down the connection between all things Mm. and which get in the way of, of me maybe entering, um, some kind of knowing that I forgot as you're saying before some type of knowing that I forgot. Yeah. Like I think about, um, when, when you're born, you're not wondering like, how do people think about me? You just are. Right. Right. There's like something. That's what's so fun about being with Leela. Oh yeah. She has no, do I look weird? No. Or, or she makes noises. She'll be yeah. like, yeah, just for no reason. And we're like, wow, she's so free. So free. She's so free. So she wasn't embarrassed at all. And we'll laugh. Uh, and she's like, oh, I'm so glad you're delighted. Yes. Right. Your comment earlier made me think about something I say about therapy all the time, mm. which is that therapy is not about becoming. It's about unbecoming all the things that you thought you had to be to be loved. Dude. It's like this taking off. Right? I've been I I t- because I have a brother. I'm I'm grateful I have a brother. Mm-hmm. We talk about the script that we inherited. That's the yes. term my therapist uses. Yes, we learned how to interact That's from these right. people, and then we can compare and go like, this is no longer useful to us. You Although, I mean? do the two of you do the two of you have different experiences of your parents we did. too? Yeah, yeah, we did. Because I've heard it said that every child in the same family has different parents. That's I love that quote mm. and it's completely accurate. Mm. My family's fucked in a lot of ways and and one of them was they like were different to my brother than they were to me and I even knew mm. that. That's it felt funny. like me the three of us and my brother. I, I have apologized to my brother mm. profusely about that. And it still goes on it's better than it was mm. but like he was also older. Oh, interesting. When the yeah. when they were like kind of at their their peak of arguing. So okay. and he remembers it more. So it seems to have like I think I would say this if he was in the room. I'm always careful yeah. to say as if they were in the room. Mm-hmm. I think it it got it was harder for him because he was older mm. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just a, a guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was I was so young, mm-hmm. maybe I didn't know it was weird. Yeah. He was old enough to be like yeah. have a different story. That's like right. I have friends that don't have parents like this. right yeah to be aware <laughs> yeah to and be I was aware unaware. in a way that you're not when that's you're not to say it wasn't traumatic for me it's i just think it was mm-hmm. maybe a little bit harder for him but also that just might have been now that i'm saying that out loud that just might have been his psychology too i'm mm-hmm. like age that's such a like a cold hard rational thing whereas the rubik's cubes of who we are you know what i mean well developmental stage is a really important part of what's happening it is. brain development at that like right so in terms yeah. of theory of mind like when you're young you don't even know you exist and you're different from anyone and We're then back to you, there you go yeah then you don't know anything outside of what is your reality mm-hmm. right and and then you don't understand that other people see the world differently than you so you know how you see the world but you don't understand it's different mm. so depending on where he's at developmentally and where you're at developmentally, you would have totally different perspectives of the same thing. Right. In addition to like a phenomenological perspective, which would say that regardless of where you're at developmentally, because of who you are and all of your collection of lived experiences and autobiographical memories shape perception in addition to right. developmental stage. Right. So we will walk out of this room and have different experiences. Right. All three of us. Right. Even though we were all here. We're back to Again, uh, not to force it. That's that's no. such a thing that Ramdas talks about. You know mm. who Ramdas is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he talks about a hungry person walks down the street and sees the restaurants. And, yeah. But there's like a, a thousand deeper ways that that goes down. Yeah. Like we were doing with my eye, like a mm. blurry, ver- like the, he also said his teacher in India said, if you wear leather shoes, the whole world is covered in leather. Uh, and I was like, that is just such a perfect way to yeah. be like, you need to separate what's happening and your and what you think is happening. I, mm. I guess that's one of the, or mm. what what's happening to you. Hmm. It's almost like a, I don't know, one of the things I get out of that is like, be careful for your narcissism. Mm. I see my father, for example, this is just going to turn into therapy. This, I <laughs> this must happen I to you all the you. time. I know. I know, you're such a good listener. But I, I was talking to my dad and I, I, I don't think my parents are narcissists. I think they have narcissistic tendencies. Mm. And I was talking to my father and we were talking about somebody in our family and he said... I don't want them to change. I don't want that. I don't want to change them. I want them to change. Mm. <laughs> so, but he was trying to, he was speaking in his own defense. He was like, right. I was like, you're trying to make them more like you. And he was like, mm. I don't want them to change. I want them to change themselves. And I was like, to be more like you. <laughs> to same, but different. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, it's not me. But, it, but there's this Emerson quote where he says, to think what is right for you is right for everybody is genius. Mm. And I really I really disagree with that. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. I mean? I've seen a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I imagine that would breed a certain degree of intolerance. Yeah. Like I can already see the problem, like the problem of that perspective, although. Totally. Well, my dad's an achiever. He's, mm. a, he's a three and I'm a three. And mm. I, as a three, I was trying to, on the Enneagram, I was trying to tell him that not everybody gets the rush of life by making mm. a product and making right. it work. Yeah. And he does not accept that at wow. all full stop. And oh. that is deeply heartbreaking for a three. Well, I was going to say for him that it must be so painful to move through the world. That's because, what I mean is I feel yes, his pain. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And maybe sometimes it might be experienced by him as pain. And sometimes it might be experienced by him as frustration and distress and, and na- nausea and all sorts of things. <laughs> well, I said to him, I was like, dad, yeah. I love that you're a, an achiever. You taught me to be an achiever. I'm grateful for that. But I want you to know that we love you even mm. if you don't achieve things. Can he take that in? He goes, I wouldn't love me if I didn't achieve <sighs> things. That's what he said. And I yeah. was like, this is like a pre-therapy household, man. Like, wow. There's like a whole swath of humanity. And it's just a generation behind us for the most part, a mm. lot of them, that's just pre-therapy. Like he, he, right. he wouldn't think that that's funny. Right. I'm like, what you just said, when I say something like that to my therapist, he goes, the patient said to the therapist. That's what he would say, to call mm. out how obvious it is because right. he knows he's not needed right. in that moment. He that's just great. needs me to hear what I said. Like I would go, dad, that's a breakthrough. You wouldn't love you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. What a terrible place to live. Yeah. And so what are you going to do with that now that you know that? But yeah, maybe exactly. that's where it stops for him. It's it like, stops. This is where it is. Well, this is where the, the male fantasy of like dying while you're working. This <sighs> is like an, a spoken thing. Like he's like, die with a hose in his hands. <laughs> something that my dad talks about because he know, delivers oil. It's so, it's so interesting to look at how patterns of psychopathology show up different based on gender scripts too. And so one of the symptoms of anxiety and depression in men who are traditionally socialized as men is workaholism, right? And yet it's socially reinforced as being so valuable and there's often pride around it. Right. So we were at this kin retreat. I don't know if the the guys have told you about the kin retreats that we're doing. So uh, K-I-N, kin. It's basically a, a retreat that I lead with some support from 
Michael and um, Mike McCarg, Science Mike, around deconstructing masculinity. And so, of course, like, I'm leading this group of men. (laughs) (laughs) We're a troubled group. It's so good. It's hard. But we were talking about the myths, myths of masculinity that prop up this toxicity and create a sense of aloneness. And one of them is self-sufficiency, right? And the idea that like, I have to do it alone. And yet, so I, I'm, I'm doing this talk. And Emerson then we, and all those guys, by the way, loved to- Ben Franklin. They love talking about their self-sufficiency. Yeah. Like that's, those are their values, right. hard work, and they, they don't need anybody. And, right. and it's sort of the, the forefathers, exactly. Right, <laughs> which is like really intimately tied into colonization and a hierarchy. Like if I don't need you, what I'm saying is I'm self-sufficient, but also like we don't need each other, that there's something that I can do without you. And in fact, it's better to do it without you. Right. Like abandoning the system of like shared and communal it's, that's dependency. Weakness. Even yes, as you say that, my exactly. brain goes, that's, well, that's weakness. Right. So Sharing is weak. Exactly. Yeah. Look at I that don't, coming I don't to the surface. That, no, I know. Way, but it's yeah, like, it's in the recesses. But you're right. It comes out into how we look at the land. Yes. And it is in our country. Yes. And it is in the nature of achieving itself. Exactly. Yeah. So... We're at this retreat, and I'm I'm talking about toxic masculinity and the, so all of these ideas and um, power as hierarchy and emotional restriction and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the guys there was like, "But isn't self sufficiency good? Like, it's really good, isn't it? Like, it's so hard sometimes for people raised in this script to to see outside of it because it's so socially reinforced. Mm. And then you get men who are dying of workaholism mm-hmm. and not realizing." That they don't have any. And meaningful... what's worse is it's the neck, it's the leaky bucket. It's like it's not yeah. even achieving. It's that you're in yeah. the process of achieving That's the next right. thing. And this is the first trap that I noticed that sort of got me into the spiritual thing. Was like as soon as you'd achieve something, it would burn up. Like f- magicians have something called flash paper. It burns really mm. quickly and it produces light. It burns up like that fast. Just whoosh, it's gone, and then you're just on to the next thing. So you're just stuck in this on this treadmill of just yeah. like having to achieve. That's right. And it's a lousy way yeah. to be. Yeah. And that's why knowing my father's type and being my father's type, that's what Val is for me is somebody that can, and I have friends like that too. The Gungers certainly don't care if I'm producing mm. for them, but that I forget that. One of the things that I was going to say was, I think, cause I, I'd love to talk about masculinity. If we only talked about that, that would be valuable mm. to me. Mm-hmm. I think for people to hear. Is that like when when we say, isn't it good to be self-sufficient? Mm-hmm. If I'm being fully honest, I'm like, yeah, it, that is good. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Mm. <laughs> because when you're not self-sufficient, that's a strain on me. Mm. So I have friends not... So these are male friends mm-hmm. that I had to end the friendship with them because every time the phone rang and it was them, it was a crisis. And maybe this is my shortcoming, but I couldn't handle it as somebody that's going through my own crises. This was just a friendship that I didn't like break up with them, just sort of slowly faded out. That's not great, but it's not horrible either, I hope. I just was like, let's make fewer plans. Yeah. Over the years, it goes away. So then you start getting afraid that you're going to be, if you're, if you're really open about your needs, then people might do that to you. Mm. That's the ugly other side Mm. of that. So is that what that, well, you can't tell me what that person meant, but tell me what you think about it. I just think it's so interesting that there is this story. If you hear the process underneath what you're saying and not just the words, you say self-sufficiency is good, isn't it? 
right? It's good. And look at this. <laughs> and then when you go just a little bit further, there's so much fear underneath. Yeah. Like it's not because it's ultimately good. It's because it, we are afraid of what will happen if we're not doing that. Right. I'll lose people. People, if right. people see who I really am, I'll be alone and outcast. Right. So the right. trick <laughs> in it is actually the need for self-sufficiency when it comes from like a hierarchical toxic masculinity is actually about fear of abandonment. Right. So it's not about believing that it's better. It's I'm Because <laughs> so- I even said, isn't it? Right. So right. there was shaky to begin with. Right. I'm so, yeah. you were saying, um, it's so, I don't know. It's gone, but there is like, there's, this is, you're such a therapist. With, I'm such a podcast host and together nothing means. happens. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning if you keep active listening to I'm me, sorry, yes. nothing will be achieved. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Which I'm going to try and be better. It'll be the process of getting out of the achievement orientation. Yeah, that's into right. The process orientation where we're just being together. No, I can do that. But at the same time, I don't want everybody to. <laughs> that's right tweet at me that I didn't let you finish your thoughts. So the idea though, is that self-sufficiency is, is the solution to the problem of fear. And the fear is actually something that points us to what matters about being human, which is our interconnectedness. Right. What do we say about the, what we'll call the evidence? I had a friend Mm. that was bothering me and I, his fear, if that is a fear that he would lose a friend came true. Mm-hmm. I'd like to live in the world where we're all open and honest. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, the Gungers are so open and honest. Sometimes when we're hanging out, I catch myself, I go like, I f- oh no, I feel like I'm the weird one. Like mm-hmm. I'll be talking about some weird issue that I had and I'm like, oh shit, these people are all so normal <laughs> compared to me. I know they're weird and wacky, but I mean like I'll still be dealing yeah. with some weird hang up that they seem to be uh, have gotten over. Yeah. I guess with your friend, I think less on an individual level and more on a systemic level. Like what are the, what are the factors that created a person's crisis and what are some of the self-sufficiency, isolation, emotional restriction factors in the sociocultural world that he's swimming in that shaped the crisis in the first place and maybe restricted his options or his limitations about how he interacts to like only reaching out when it's at a boiling point. In panic. God, you're good. So I'm wondering... (laughs) Like, did he not have the tools? No, it was. It's that. You're absolutely right. So keep going. As a therapist, my my curiosity is like, again, crisis therapy, just like reaching out to a friend in crisis is not real therapy. It's not real friendship. These are like moments of chaos where we're trying to keep the person alive while they're having a heart attack, right? These are not Mm. the places where transformation happens. They're survival and life or death. And and as a therapist, what I'm trying to do is move people out of crisis so that then they can do the real work. I'm doing karate kicks. And which is, oh, yeah. Through boards. Let's see it. Let's see it. Well, I can't, I can't really do it. <laughs> I'm just so excited. The right move would have been to be like, can we talk before you're yes. freaking out? Yes. So this is the point in transformation is like, what are you, what information are you missing on the inside that inhibited you from knowing that there was tension or intensity or pain or chaos building? Mm. How did you restrict the signs or what were you not allowed to see? Or how did you shove it down to the point that you only felt it when it was at a level of toxicity yeah. that required you I'm to dying grasp? with the hose in my hands. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I am. And it's, it's tied to that. I think for mass, like men in particular, people who are socialized within this framework of masculinity 
Like I talk about this often when I'm talking about doing work with men and mas- like masculinity and restricted emotionality is that most of my referrals for men are from three places, cardiologists, mm. because men are having heart issues that they think are heart issues that are actually anxiety issues. Whoa. Urologists, because men are having erectile dysfunction from restricted emotionality right? Wow. And perfectionism and performance anxiety. Mm. And from their female partners or male partners who are saying, I don't know you. And there is no relationship here. Mm. If you don't have like an essence for me to interact with. I want to talk about all of those. So we've got <laughs> this like shoving everything down until it becomes so much of a problem that a person is going to their cardiologist. Yeah thinking well there is like there's less less social pathology here or like less stigma about going to a doctor than for naming the fact that i'm shoving down all of my anguish right so there are all of these systems that are in place that make it impossible but what are my blood cells Mm -hmm. doing yeah that's right exactly (laughs) yeah because that's less embarrassing right even though a feeling is sometimes way more intense yeah. than a hand slapping you. Yeah. It's an it's a constant hand slapping you inside well, your stomach or whatever. The fMRI scans that we have would say that physical violence and emo- or physical pain and emotional pain are processed by your brain in the exact same way. You wow. just don't have certain motor neurons that are firing. Right. So your brain is experiencing them the exact same way. Right. But because of like this this gender scripting around masculinity, a lot of men are like I can't feel I can't feel, but, but I can, I can go to the doctor. And even that for a lot of men is really hard because of like men are statistically shown to have poor help seeking behaviors. So Mm. they're more willing to like, let the problem be problematic until they go to the doctor. But I think it's so two things. Um, Hit it. I think it, I often have clients who come in who are really frustrated at first when I don't laugh at their jokes because I'm not participating in the defense mechanism. And everybody else participates in the defense mechanism. Should be my next album, participating in the defense mechanism. You're welcome. I get royalties That's on so that. So funny. Sure. So there's, you know, I actually have this like fantasy of doing comedy and therapeutic work together, like a link between them, because I think that both of them have a have a specific place in pulling back the curtain. Yeah. But there's one that's kind of disarming and one that's like goes right for the jugular. But there are like these, and they're both about wonder and what's real and naming the things that are really and happening. going past the line. Going past the line. Yeah, that's all comedy. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. So there's, that was the first thing is like, it's, it's really hard for some people in therapy who are used to making jokes because if we don't participate in the delusion that that's actually funny, then a person's like, "Ah." that that's what most men are looking for with women. Right. And women have told me that they, on a date, they're trying to have a good date in a, Mm. in a normal, whatever the words are, uh, setup is that they'll laugh more at the guy's jokes and the woman and a guy will report that like he was funny or he felt, and that really what you're doing is like, Again, to quote Ramnus, is like, will you pretend I am who I am pretending I am? Yeah. Will you participate in the conspiracy with me? Yeah. And they'll go, I will. And I'll, I'll emotionally enable you 
to continue to suppress your hate for right. your father. Right. Well, I don't know. Like, let's add the other perspective in here, too, so it's not so androcentric. Because there's a woman in there who is also saying, like, my job is to be the frame for totally. your experience. I'll be the I, pot like, for your water. That's right. Bullshit. Yeah. I know. I completely agree. It's a heartbreak. And so there are these, like, these dynamics that are playing out where nobody's really being Dude, who they nobody's are. getting what they want. That's what I used to say about uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving. I was like, everybody's sitting around a table. No one getting what they need. No. <laughs> see i laugh yeah. no one getting what they need yeah. it's a heartbreaker too yeah. i understand that and, and my thing as a child was i could hear i thought again I'm, I'm not sure if i was right but according to my mother i was right i could hear what everybody was asking for and nobody mm. was giving it to them mm. which is that weird it's a it's a weird phenomenon but anyway narcissism uh, not narcissism uh toxic masculinity oh yeah what about it all of it oh my gosh <laughs> TM. I like what do people want to know about TM? Oh, I do TM twice a day. I'm toxically masculine. I'll give you an example because um, I know you can't, obviously, you can't talk about your patients. But Valerie and I had, I thought, a really great, we should get her in here. Do you want to get Val? Yeah. Oh, I think she left. Did she leave? She was going for breakfast, yeah. Yeah, she might have left. Um, do you want to see if she's in here? Yeah. It might be fun. Um, thank you, Katie. I'll give you the backstory. So we were driving to uh, the Botanical Garden. We were enjoying yes, a nice yes. day. And and we forgot that I had um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week, I'm going to be in Portland, San Francisco, and Denver. And this is, I'll, I'll be honest with you, this has been a lifelong fantasy of mine. When I was married the first time, I got married when I was 22, it would be such a thing that I had a show. And I remember saying it to my first wife. I was like, I wish it was just normal that I had shows. And I have done that. Like, I rang the bell. It's normal. Okay. Like, it's such a, a fantasy for me that I live that we can be having dinner and I go, oh, right, I have a show. And it's no big deal. I leave. I'm gone for an hour. It's not that disruptive. Maybe an hour and a half. And I love it. That is something that I worked really hard for, to have a relationship that can make something very not normal right. normal. normal. Yeah. Because it's an, a source of anxiety for me. People mm. don't realize that. You are such a good therapist. You have good listen face. And I open up to you right away. I open up to people well, I anyway. I wasn't even working. No, I'm just, I know. I'm you're just a good person. Okay. You have a good energy. <laughs> just as a human. You're not a therapist mm. as a human. But anyway, people text me sometimes like, my friend Ben's going to be at your show tonight. And I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Oh, okay. Like, I don't like thinking about oh, my yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I don't like thinking about your well, fucking friend Ben being at my show. It reifies it. It's not What's over there. Yeah, yeah. Reify it's, makes it real. It makes it real. Yeah, yeah. She's not yeah. there. Shit. Anyway, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I want to think about the show 15 seconds before I'm yeah. going out to the show because it's like a boxing match. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about a fight that I have. I, mm-hmm. I want to I want to enjoy my dinner. Mm-hmm. Ben's going to be there. Yeah. And all well, of a sudden, yeah, you're thinking about Ben. Yeah, and, and then it's real. Then, yes. Then it's not an audience. Then it's your friend, yes. Ben, who's going to tell yeah. you how it was. You get it right is away. It, is it easier if everybody is an object in the audience than if somebody's... If they become one thing, absolutely. Yeah. That's the great Seinfeld episode, yeah. the pilots in the audience. Mm-hmm. He bombs a stand-up set because his agent tells him the pilot from your plane is in the oh, audience. Okay. And as soon as it becomes the pilot, right, right, right. he can't yeah. perform. Yeah. And this goes... There's a sexual performance correlation there, too, but I don't. Yeah. we'll get to that later because I want to talk about uh, that... Yeah. way of masculinity but anyway 
This okay. this is a good this is a good one for people to listen in on. I hope. Okay. <laughs> um, so Val and I are driving to the botanical okay. garden. Yeah. And I worked really hard, and I'm glad we did that little tangent about how that's a value for me. Is mm. my life is extraordinary. It's also very stressful. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. It's also frightening. Yep. You know what I mean? If we're it, the volumes just, turned up on everything. 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 Yep. Yes. The sweet. I have really sweet sweets, and I really like. Ah! Like just yeah. it's it's a normal thing for me to go like. Like during a day, like yeah, just like, yeah. oh, I have to do that thing. So anyway, um, and I've normalized that. So then this sort of starts out as a fantasy. So this, what's today? Oh, Friday, Friday? the 7th. So, okay, yesterday was Thursday. This was yesterday. And we're talking about this Monday. And then Val goes, I saw in the calendar, I just saw, and she wasn't confronting me. She was just like, I just saw that you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll be out of town. I was like, right, I know. I wasn't even sure those were confirmed, but they just got confirmed. And and then like there was a silence. And in that silence, I noticed that I started running a script. And this never happens. Mm. A little bit of my ego wants to say, <laughs> Val and I don't argue. We're best friends. It's the most healthy. That's why I wish she could come in here because you could see and everyone could hear. And then they'd know what an achiever I am. Yes, and the ego yes. gets stroked. And then they would know yes. and people would say, how do you do it? <laughs> at least I know. But it was, see, I, I'm even good at uh, my humility. Um, so anyway. We're not like this. We're not like a tense relationship, mm-hmm. but I noticed something swirling mm-hmm. in my belly. And after we talked about it, my we were like... somatic marker. Look at that. What's, what, no, the somatic marker, knowing where It was where in that, my stomach. Yeah. It felt like I had swallowed uh, dry ice, but wow. it was purple. Okay. And it was in my stomach. And it was this story. Um, and I'm going to be fully honest for the benefit of, of the listeners, too. Um, and Val would be fine with all of this. I was like... You think I'm going on vacation, hmm. right? So she hasn't said anything. Yeah, all those projections, the anxiety yes. running its story. Oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. I tell Val yeah. all the time, we need to remember I'm a big, strong man, and I'm a crying baby. Yeah. Like, it's both. And I see that in my dad as yeah. well. And it's uh, you're a hair away from one or the other. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, I've stabilized myself, I think. But the baby is in there, and the baby is saying, why won't you pick me up? Why won't you tell me I'm special? That's why I want you to hear Val, because yeah. I'm looking for that constantly. But here's the difference, though, Pete. Hit it. Everybody has the baby. Yeah. Right? There are some people who have just put the baby in a cage. No, would you close the door? I'm tired of hearing the dog. <laughs> I can't stand it. Next time you see the dog, cover one eye. OMG. So Will that work? Eye. We could do a little piece of work on you and the dog later. We're going to do it. But everybody's got the baby. Some people have just put the baby in the cage. In a concrete room, lock the door, right? Locked it away. Right. And the baby is rattling the cage and it comes out in As road ED. rage. Oh, yeah. Erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Or road rage. Or road rage. Yeah. Or like overeating Dude, or overworking. Why are we so mad at right? the cars? Yeah, your, your baby is so, locked in a concrete box. That's right. And the yeah. baby is like, let me out. I need some attention. I need my needs met. This is my work lately. Yeah. It, like I'm reading this book by Stephen Levine called Who Dies? Mm. And he's like, our fear of death is our fear of life, which mm. you could probably have guessed that hypothesis, mm. but it's brilliant. And he's like, the reason people have such a hard time dying is they're so humiliated and embarrassed mm. by their life. Like how you die is how you lived. And you're in this okay. thing where like your things are being stripped away. So when I'm having my baby moment, yeah. my work is to go like, it's okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like To yourself. To me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't to parent yourself badly. Yeah. I don't hurt people, but I go, it's okay that I'm frustrated. Like right. it, I'm not, 
I don't have to put the mask right back on. In fact, I, I said to Valerie, I go, I'm venting right now. You know, or or I'll go, I'm being angry. And I'll say it very mm-hmm. calmly. I'm being, mm-hmm. I'm feeling angry mm-hmm. right now. Just so she knows she's safe mm-hmm. while I'm, I feel the steam sort of releasing. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything else on the, on the initial part of the story? Well, two things. Uh, a favorite... <laughs> One, my favorite Stephen Levine quote is Ooh. healing Healing is to touch with love that which was touched by fear. Ooh. That which was touched with what? Healing is to touch with love that which was touched by fear. Right? So to go, go to the places where we carry our pain and to take love directly to that place. Yeah. That's, that's the journey of healing. As a, oh, it's going to fall? We got okay. it. Okay. Sorry, that was so disruptive. No, that's okay. I was and, hot. <laughs> <laughs> and the second thing is that I think we confuse we confuse anger with actually an unhealthy management of anger. So anger is just a series of That's great. Right? We it's That's a, what I mean. Like why resist it? Resist it within reason. Yeah. Don't Well, stay with me for a yeah, second. Yeah, go here. please. So our emotions are often not the expression of the emotion. Those are different things, but we've confused them, right? So, so sadness is a series of nerve endings in my body telling my, you know, telling the muscles in my face to pull my head down and to, to kind of change the temperature in certain parts of my body is a way of signaling to my tribe that, that I'm, I'm hurting or anger is this thing that moves in my body that changes my temperature, moves blood flow into my hands, right? Gets my heart beating more, but we confuse that with violence and aggression and, Mm power over and those are not the same thing but people who don't know how to actually feel the sensations in their body panic and try and move it out of them in a way that is hurtful to other people Mm. as a mechanism of control so to be able to say i feel angry like i could be sitting here right now exactly as i am and notice that i'm feeling angry but it wouldn't be hurtful to you if I was actually able to stay with the real anger. But not knowing how to stay with the <laughs> real case. anger yeah. means that we we panic when it happens. And then we perform anger in a way that other people performed anger because they didn't know how to do anything with anger, which is violence. Karate kicks. So for you to stand there and be like, I'm feeling angry. Yeah. Is one of the healthiest things you could ever do. Yeah. I'm happy to hear yes. that. I, yeah. You know where I've heard that is Val, who knows how to love me, goes like, I talked about you in therapy and my therapist said that uh, you seem really evolved <laughs> or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like a little happy because she'll talk about that specifically, mm. that we've both done work to do what you're saying, which is feel yeah. a feeling and just and name it and label it and go like, so when we were having this, I was like, I'm venting right now, which yeah. was sort of a safer code for right. I'm angry right yeah. now. But um, what you just said was karate kicked all day. Well, I wonder, though, for you, if if the challenge is that you know what you're feeling, but the impulse control around, like, is this the right time to say it? Is this the right way to say it? Can I hold back just a second here? Right. Like, the I I wonder if for you, because you have, do you have some attention difficulties? ADD, you mean? That's one political presentation. No, I don't know. I'm just wondering. <laughs> just like, um, it, do you? Oh, I, I, wasn't I, I don't. Not. I no. I, yeah. I, I feel fine right <laughs> okay, now. No, no. I wonder if people are laughing. I I do. Oh, yeah. um, you've noticed probably yeah. one of the ways that I listen is by interrupting. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. Yeah. 
it's how I stay engaged. So, like, if I'm just straight listening to somebody, uh, I'll read a book, but I'll read it like three pages at a time, right? Because, it, but I'll retain it okay very well, yeah. But I won't. I don't want to necessarily listen to something for hours and right. hours and hours. Well, there are stages of like emotional development, and and one would be first noticing, oh, I have feelings, and then multiplicity, oh, I can have multiple feelings at the same time, and then I can notice them as they're happening, and then I can decide how to talk about them, and then. After that, some of the more developed stages would be now I know what's just for me mm-hmm. and how to hold, go, oh, I'm angry, but I don't need to say that or I don't need to like project onto you in a way that now loops you into my anxiety spiral. Now you're dealing with my pain because I've hurt you and That's just like just knowing, oh, I feel angry. Which is what I don't like about people. Right. So it probably is something that I... What do you mean you don't like that about people? We, we were talking about the friend that I'm like, well, yeah. you're looping me into your anxiety spiral. Right. That's something that overwhelms me. Right. So it's yeah. probably something that maybe I do. I'm not yeah. sure. But it's funny that you mentioned that because mm. in the story... Yes, continue, please. I said... I, I waited... So I don't know. First of all, we're all so full of shit. H. McBee. Here, here. I, every day, every time I visit my family, I want to put over my mirror, don't forget you might be wrong. Because that's something that I see that my my father in particular has sort of lost his ability mm. to go like, I might be wrong. Like, but me that, mm, he might right, say it, but like right. really be like, I might be up my own ass so hard, right. my own conditioning, my own experience. Like, I might have lost my grip on the yeah, rope. Yeah. So I always go like, let's remember, this could be a Black Mirror episode. Maybe I am insane. And everybody, maybe I'm a billionaire and I'm insane. And you guys are all people that like humor me and you're trying to help me. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, you, right. I, I don't really believe that. I'm yeah. just saying like, anything is possible. Yeah. Maybe you're nuts. Right, right. Or maybe you're wrong is, is a better way to put it. So in that moment, uh, Valerie said there was something that I interpreted in her pause as a judgment that I was going mm. away for three days. And by the way, I, I had just been away for a couple of days and we have the baby. So this is, this is really the cause of the tension. In the old days, Valerie would just come. Right. It was just, okay. it would just be like right. a trip yeah. for us. So, uh, in that pregnant pause, I started feeling something, the, the dark swirl in my stomach. But then I did say, and this is where I might be full of shit. I was like, I don't think I struggle with impulse control because I was like, I don't think she means that. Mm. And I think I'm feeling this and I think I'm just going to hold on to it. Mm. And I didn't like that mm. for me um, because it felt like a secret. Oh, interesting. It, it felt yeah. like something that I was withholding yeah. from her. And, I, and that leads to resentment in my mm. experience. Something that's dangerous for me is I can build a case against somebody slowly, piece right. by piece, and then one day I break up with them. Yeah. That would never happen with Valerie, and I'm just saying in past relationships. Yeah. I'd go like, oh, I'll just hold on to that. And it's just a penny. Yeah. But before you know it, I have a roll of pennies. The key with that, though, is to see that the penny is like, oh, isn't that funny that my ego's doing that? Or like, isn't that funny that my childhood self that really did believe people were against me is playing playing the a penny story. game yeah playing the penny game like to to not actually believe it and to be like oh isn't that funny that that just popped up wow mm. huh. and to see it as like this this uh junk drawer of our psyche kind of playing its game we just rattled something around and it came up and not believing that it actually is what's happening in a scoreboard yeah like a, just a squeaky truck we're treating it like an intrusive thought like 
I thought about pizza this morning while I was doing like working on my dissertation. I was like, well, where did the pizza come from? But I didn't say like, oh, I'm going to tuck that away. And now I have to have pizza later and I'm going to eat a whole pizza, you know. It's so Just, funny that you said that. I thought about pancakes this uh, morning and I opened the Postmates app. And then I closed it. You closed it. <laughs> You're really, you, I just want this podcast to never end. <laughs> because we can just like, be friends. I, we we just can just be friends. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. And obviously Val wants that too. Yeah. We all want that in the Gungies. We all want it. Mm. But I, what, like, there's a weird story that I tell myself where I'm like embarrassed that I'm like addicted to things like, like pancakes, like the thought of pancakes. Oh. Have you ever noticed if you watch a TV show and someone's eating Chinese food for me, it's Chinese food. Okay. I'll yeah. go, I want Chinese oh, food. Interesting. And I just go okay. like, it's so embarrassing yeah. to be in one of these things. I, I not to have really? too hard of a judgment on it, but I'm like, are we so weak that if I say cookie dough, Hillary, you're a certain, I don't know your percentage, but you're more likely to eat cookie dough because I go, oh, yes, yes. you know, it's good cookie dough. Yes. But you know, the difference though Just is eat some eat. cookie dough Hillary, yeah. with a spoon. Yeah. Chill it first. Chill it. Okay. <laughs> the That's funny. One year for my husband, for his birthday, he didn't want a cake. He just wanted a big, big, big bowl of cookie dough. We're children. Not your yeah. dad. We were watching Shark Tank. The one, my dad? My husband. Your husband. Excuse me. <laughs> As the therapist said to the patient, <laughs> okay. uh, it is Freudian. But I was making a Freudian point. Yeah. Is cookie dough and cookie dough ice cream and cake batter ice cream, all these things that tell us about our mother, never mind the whole milk thing, mother's milk, dairy products. My whole thing is that uh, yeah. Great British Bake Off, and the reason why we're more comfortable with women baking is because of all the dairy and the ovum. The eggs sure. and the milk. These are things for that become children and feed children okay. and that are made traditionally by women for children. And then we okay. have such a arrested development with men in particular that one pitch on Shark Tank was for cookie dough. Okay. And I was like, that's children. That's mommy. And they said in the pitch, like, we just want to be back in the kitchen and your mom gives you a scoop of uh, a spoon of cookie dough. I was like, okay, right. we're infant. We're infantilizing ourselves, right? And we're and we're tense, and we we want to be with our mommies again. Okay. And then the next pitch was for a thing that you could dip your nuggets in. Chicken nuggets are a child's food. It was designed for children, <laughs> and there's men in their forties talking about nugget culture. And I was like, paging Doctor Freud. Of course, Freud would be like, we want to fuck the nuggets or something. Right. But like, well, you have like a very strong psychoanalytic bent. Is I your also therapist have therapist and an and he's, an he's, he's, he's we don't do Freudian therapy, but is he's, he psychodynamic? I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, less about um, analysis and this kind of passive free association, and more about looking at historical patterns as they play out in the present and bringing making the unconscious conscious, so that we can do something about it, as opposed to like cognitive behavioral therapy, which would be more of like isolating specific thoughts, trying to change those thoughts, mm. implementing the thoughts very action behavioral based. It sounds like you do psychoanalytic or psychodynamic work. You know, he must be very good because it just seems like we're talking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people, unless you're therapists, don't really know the kind of the specifics, unless you've seen a bunch of therapists and you're like, I don't like that. What is that called? I, yeah. I, we do go into, he's helped me identify a lot of like Freudian and Oedipal right. things. I have like oh, a very strong okay. Oedipal thing. So, I, in response to your story about the cookie dough yeah. and like the nuggets and all of that stuff, <laughs> I think this is amazing. 
I think there's also the neurobiological piece, which is that all of these foods are like high glucose foods and we're evolved to really love sugar because for Comfort a long us. time, well, well, for a long time we didn't yeah. have it. We actually yeah. needed it to survive. And it was like this hot commodity to get fruit and high fructose things. Yeah. So based on our evolutionary biology, we are really attracted to very sweet things, mm-hmm. right? So there's that piece of it. But if you were to you know, see a show and like you were just saying, like, oh, if I just say cookie dough, you're going to want it. I think maybe the difference in your reaction and mine would be that I don't, I don't feel judgmental towards that. I'd be like, oh, interesting that I want that. Oh, isn't that interesting? Mm. And I am mad. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you mad? I, it's, it's another thing I relate yeah. with Ramdas. Ramdas has this like existential feeling of like, what am I doing in this thing? What, what thing? What's the thing? That's the soul speaking about right. the body. Oh, okay. Going like, what am I doing here? Do you think that they're different? The soul, the soul and the and body? body? Uh, that's a, that's one of the stories I tell. I mm. feel like we don't know what's going on. Mm. If I only have mm-hmm. a moment with you, I might say, I do think there's consciousness. Mm. And I think around that is housed in a body. Right. Okay. And I think the, the soul or awareness, yeah. maybe not a soul, is mm-hmm. observing the body. Mm. So when we say I'm hungry, that's us noticing, maybe just on a mm. materialist level, where just something is noticing an impulse, mm. you know, from feedback from the body. And whatever that something is, pure consciousness or mm-hmm. a soul is just going like, this is embarrassing. Oh, really? <laughs> that something can go cookie dough. And you're like, you're going to change my mood. You're going to make me angry that I'm trying to be healthy and I can't eat cookie huh, dough because huh. you said cookie dough. Huh. And like, you, I don't know what it is that I want. I told this to St. Gungis. I was like, a lot of mornings I wake up and I'm like, what am I still doing here? Not, wow. not with dread. Right. Just like, yeah. And wonder, amazement. There, there's a good version. There's some okay. good in it. It's like, this is weird. And Val and I often trip out. But then it's also just like, Peeing, yeah. pooping, yes. washing, eating. It's all fine. Oh, I don't yeah. resist it. But I'm just like, what? Yeah. Sometimes you feel like you're beyond it. Yeah. And you're like, sometimes our consciousness can go past the animal. And then we still have to, the cognitive dissonance of yet we're still animals. Those are some of my favorite moments of being alive. Like the people who are close to me in my life know know that I do this regularly. But I'll be like what the fuck are nails? Yeah, I know. There are hard bits growing out of soft bits on the end of these digits. Dude, Why? What is this? And there's kind of it's like the being in the mystery of what is. I know. Is some of the most alive, trippy parts of... That's what Richie, Richie Roar, <laughs> Richie. says. Dickie. Dickie. Dick, Dick Roar. <laughs> Dick Roar. <laughs> That's what Dick Roar says is the beginning of contemplation, mm. which contemplation is just like waking meditation, mm. mm-hmm. is why should anything exist? Yeah. But when you do it with something that's attached to you, that you can feel from the inside. Mm-hmm. So there is a good version of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also sort of like a, I guess it comes from like, it usually shows up when it's things that you have to do, like that you have to, like, it's hard for me to exercise because I'm oh, just okay. like, I am spirit. And it's oh, like, okay. yeah, but you want your heart to keep working, right? Yeah. And you're like, fuck off. Right. <laughs> so learning about interpersonal neurobiology, like the neurophysiology of trauma, understanding like these systems in our body that have evolved to keep us safe, totally transformed my experience of like being a mystic. Hmm. Because it gave me a sense of, 
of understanding on a, on a deep fundamental level about the goodness of how it is all working. And maybe sometimes like how it's funny and outdated that our brain is like reacting to, but that's you with glucose and the nuggets. Exactly. Yeah. Is to be like, Oh, isn't that amazing that my brain is doing that? Dude, wow. You're so good. <laughs> that's what Ram Dass says. He goes, it's all lawful and perfect except for me. You know what I mean? Okay. He, he, but yeah. he's teasing himself. Yeah, that's right. He's like, yeah. I can see how right. everything yeah. is lawful. Right. Even a fucking horrible person. He right. goes, I get it. Yeah. They're obeying their conditioning, their yeah. neuro, their experience, their brain, yeah. everything. It's it's karma. It's the lawful. It's the Tao. Yeah. Except for me. But the, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You yeah, just exclusionary. Me. Yeah. No, that's me. I'm going, but I have to want yeah. cookie dough and I resist it and then I suffer. But if you take it, if you take it back to like the moments that are most painful in life and you're able to do it with that, or for at least for me, that's how it started in terms of my own recovery from mental illness and my own suffering is to go, Oh wow. That's that old part of me just doing the only thing that she knew how to do to survive. And there is this kind of like generating a compassion for these instincts that then makes it easier to be like, oh, isn't that funny that like I wanted to swear at that person in traffic? What part of me? Oh, look, there she is. She's out to play. But like to see see that. Yeah, but also actually compassionately more so. Better than dispassionate, compassionate. Yeah, like, oh, that's that's the survival piece is is actually one of the things that I think makes it easier to be with people who are hurting themselves and other people and to be retain compassion is because I have been able to learn how to do that for myself right? and then can sit with people who are doing really awful things and be like, wow, you're doing your best. And also I know that part in me, right? Right. We are not so different from each other. Right. Right. So seeing all of those impulses actually through a scientific lens first helps. Oh, it changed everything for me. So for you, you had like a, oh, I want cookie dough because my brain is just going, that's high calories, it's high fat, it'll keep me alive, and it'll be pleasant or to eat. Translate that okay. to any other thing. Yeah. Like, I need, I need to do that. I need to do this thing and do this thing really well because then someone will like me. Oh, that's this old thing. With right. This old story playing out. Oh, wow. Okay, is that actually what needs to happen right here? Or is that the some some loop that's been playing that's a, a neural network that's really well ingrained that that you know i haven't i have an updated super highway over here i don't have to choose that old thing anymore right. that old pathway so interesting i only say this to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and Thank hopefully you. helpful yeah <laughs> you're so good <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm talking to you like how i want you to talk to me you're so good you're so good <laughs> Pete, oh, thank all you. Of your, all of your humor <laughs> and all of the ways that you've covered up your pain is so ah, good. That's excellent. Look, you've made a career out of it. And well, that's what I was going to say was with my father, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. love me. Yeah. When I hear you and I'm like, okay, it's an old script to yeah. get people to love me. It sucks or it is what it is. That we're in, this is a, an achiever country. Yes. The, the United States is oh, a yeah. three country. Oh, yeah. It values how I am. It values mm-hmm. my, uh, even my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it reinforces it and it rewards it. Mm-hmm. So my specialness, you, like I, a lot of my work is going like, you don't have to be special. Mm. Now I can go to a dinner party. In fact, I've, I've never really had a hard time going to a dinner party and not like showboating. That's never been my thing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's why singers don't want to do karaoke. It's like I have that compartmentalized. Right. Yeah, that's I work. My, it's over there. Yeah, I have yeah. my attention seeking behaviors right, over right, here. Right. Uh, you know, like I do cocaine. <laughs> like I don't want to go to Starbucks. I do cocaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the weekends with my friend Miami. I appreciate Steve. the comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not. I don't. I don't struggle with that. But like, even when you say that, you go like, "Oh, look, there's something in me that thinks I want to be special." I'm. I something that comes up for me is a fear that if I'm like, if I lose touch with my ability to be special, we won't uh, X Y Z. We won't right. pay the mortgage, or we won't go on right. vacation. Or Leela won't go to college. You know what I right. mean? It's weird when your personality becomes your your job. I mean, you're looking at it. Yeah. Right? For Tell me, me as the therapist, yeah. is like, I, I'm good if when you need me, if you perceive me as loving, if I can help you. Because for me, the big story for, for the whole, like really for my life and what translated into lots of pain and pathology was shame, right? My shame narrative that I carry. So if I'm extra good, if I'm extra helpful, then I can say to the shame voice, no, 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 you really are good. Cause look at all the people you helped. Look right. at all the people you kept alive because they didn't commit suicide. Cause you were such a good therapist. Right. Right. And for me, the journey of healing has been realizing that that was part of why I became a therapist was to like to heal my own shame. And in healing my own shame in other ways, it means that I'm free to be with people without needing anything from them so, so that you, I can be good. You're like the next level. You might have gotten well, into it to solve your own shame, yeah. but then you kept working with it in a freer way. Freer way. Yeah. yeah. And so for me... I see that potential. In, Just as you're saying it, I'm right. like, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A, a fantasy I can see. And then that I think the the beauty and the irony, and maybe this is like a nod to resurrection, is the thing that kills us can also be the thing that defines our greatest goodness in the world. Right. The pain that we carry that has squashed our being can be transformed into this beautiful gift. Right? Like, isn't it interesting that the thing that I did to hide becomes now my greatest way to heal people or right. to heal myself. Right. So for me, um, a big part of my story is I had a, a really, really severe eating disorder for a long time and was in all sorts of treatment. Um, there were many, many points in my treatment where we were not sure if I was going to live or die in hospital, like really, really problematic mm. eating disorder. And What age? Uh, 13 to about 25. Is that... I was going to be like, oh, wow, that's so young, but maybe that's normal. Maybe that's typical. Well, um, yeah, lots of, we see spikes in prevalence of eating disorders around puberty and then college age, pregnancy, and then menopause. So any, any points where there is something significant shifting happening developmentally or in the body, right? Body changes. Mm. And in the society where there's social construction of women is that your body is the thing that makes you valuable. Women are less, you know, in the patriarchal story, women are less valuable than men, but they're valuable for their bodies, for what their bodies can do and for how their bodies can look. Then the body changes and you're like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Wow. Control, change. So heavy. Yeah. So the irony or the beauty or the mystery or the wonder of life is like, I write and research about eating disorders now and do things to kind of move the needle on treatment. So I'm researching innovative treatments that have not been explored and researched and getting empirical results to show like, how can we take people further and faster in their recovery? And I wouldn't have done that if I didn't have that pain. Do you see the fireworks around you? <laughs> are you are you hearing those? I'm so, I have to apologize about the fireworks. It's so good. Oh. So this this mystery is like, how is it that your way of coping is also this beautiful gift that you give to the world? And it is both. Right. And it is neither 
and also at the same time, your pathology and your greatest gift and your insight into mystery and connection right. and joy. Well, this is this is straight Richie and Enneagram. I, I know you. You know the Enneagram? Oh, I do. Oh, yes, what number are you? Wait, a two. Okay, let me preface this. Yeah, I I do not like to publicly state my number Ooh. because I feel like the, I don't know why I love that. Ah! This is a resistance to the Enneagram. But it's a resistance to the Enneagram culture, which says, like, I'm going to now box you into my understanding, and I'm going to stop seeing you. And I'm going to stop seeing... You are the best. I'm going to do a backflip into a quarry. (laughs) I love these giving metaphors. A lot of visual feelings. Oh, good. I love them. And they're backflips into quarries. Let's go take a video of us doing karate kicks outside I would do it. Because Val is a nine and we're always like, are you? And I like keeping that open. I, so that's the thing is yeah. like, I think if you're healthy, you see yourself in all of the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think you allow yourself to say, what situation requires what number to emerge in me? And can I access that number for myself? In the yeah. same way that if I'm like, if I'm a perfectionist, that works really well, except if I'm trying to make love to my partner, Right. then I need to be in flow. So right. like, where can I find flow? Or like when I'm listening to someone, I need to be in my body. How do I get in my body? So what happens is we restrict our experience of ourselves to a number and then excuse me, use it as an excuse or we restrict other people down to a number and then we end up objectifying them. And we do the very opposite of the heart of the Enneagram, which is about flourishing and blooming. And I'm, I'm really influenced by Martin Buber. He's this Jewish phenomenologist Uh who talks about the distinction between I thou versus I it and how the I it relationship is about seeing self in relation to an object and how we make every person or everything around us an object and reduce it down. But the journey of, of flourishing and mysticism and being human is I thou, which is a nod to the ultimate thou and seeing the thou in the other. And that's what Richie says. If you see God yeah, in everything, you'll never be lonely that's again. Right. Yeah. So Martin Buber's, I, one of his favorite quotes of mine is all actual life is encounter. That life is happening, and I would say God is life. That life is happening in the encounter, in the space in between the us. That's right. Well, in Richie would dance. say that's why the Trinity. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. He's saying the reason for the Trinity isn't just to be like, it's like water and mist and right. ice. Right. It's to yeah. say it, it exists only in relationship. Did you hear the egg one? The yolk, the white. I hate the- it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> what is, is, that's a trigger for me. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a strong trigger. I know yeah. people that have really strong triggers yeah. towards Christian yeah. stuff, but I'm like, all I hear is people missing the point, that's and that's right. my projection. But I, but I but do. That's my whole thing with the enneagram is you're missing the point. And right? Richie Rohr would say, you know, they didn't used to teach it to yeah. regular people. Yeah, <laughs> they only taught it to counselors yeah. because they didn't want it to become what it has become, which is that's a parlor right. game. Exactly. And he opens his talk with that. He's like, this is Mm. sort of fucked up that I'm teaching this to you. Right. But I'm going to because other people are teaching it and and you need to know it. And it's about wisdom and it's about openness. Right. It's not about going like, because I catch myself being like, oh, I mean, it does help us though. Yeah. And I think it's because we're trying to do it in a a rich and open way. So what I say to people is like, I've been at parties where they'll say, I'm, you know, who are, who are you? Tell me who you are. I love. I always love to say like, what what lights you up? What makes you feel alive? Introduce yourself to me, and someone will be like, well, I'm a five. <laughs> like you're using a shorthand, yeah, to get away from knowing yourself. And yeah. the enneagram is about knowing yourself. So instead of using that number, 
use your own words, please. Tell yeah. me who you are. Right. Don't. S- it's someone else's mystical behind, experience. I'm a Christian. Is what it, it's exactly. the same thing. So I believe me. in the resurrected Christ. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of your own resurrection. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but Richie says, yeah. "Let the Jesus said, let the weeds grow with the wheat. Mm. And he applies that to the Enneagram where he's yeah. like, it's, it's not about what he calls willpower Christianity, mm. which is resisting your shame mm. or me resisting my specialness addiction. It's working with it and trying to get to that that conscious evolved and that's what we can do so back to the fight let's just call it a fight it wasn't really a fight it was like a complicated Mm -hmm. conversation i like that yeah that's right lots of feelings emerge exactly yeah a fight sounds like well you don't understand me it wasn't that it was a complicated conversation your your caricature of a fight is amazing i know (laughs) i need help will you help me but it but i would say like we sometimes would go, a lot of my threeness is, is mm, coming up here. Yeah. And that helps us. Yes. By the way, if people but, who don't know what we're talking about, it's the Enneagram, it's, a per, it's nine personality types. Right. You take a test and it that's tells right. you some of the numbers you might be. Yeah. And, that's, and, and the three is the achiever and the go, nine is the peacemaker. Yeah. I could go plug the liturgist episode of the, yeah. the Enneagram, which is one of our highest, highest listened to episodes. Is that right? It's true. And then the YouTube Richie Rohr right. talk. It's like a six hour talk that you used to have to pay for. It's oh, unbelievable. It's so I have good. To go listen to I that. quote it constantly. But the thing that's different about you and Val is that you know each other. You live in a space together. So using a shorthand is helpful. It's helpful because yeah. it's not reductive. Right. It's it's uh, constructive. Right. But when you don't know someone, you hide behind a story, behind a number, then you're right. actually getting in the way of someone knowing you. That's right. And it's it's becoming an I it. That's right. I mean, I don't feel, but that's that's very achiever thing. Like I don't feel like an achiever all of the, of the time. The Gungers came over the other don't. night, and yeah. I had just gotten off stage, and I said, "If you'd like to talk to my ego, he's here." <laughs> I'll take questions. <laughs> like, if you'd like to know how to, like, turn something into a product, just talk to me now, if Amazing. you'd like. But I, I can keep the dragon on a leash, where it w- wasn't right. always the case. It really felt kind of nice to be like, mm. he's available. Like, if you want that, like, white, hot, like, optimist that, like, thinks anything is possible, he's here to take questions. Nobody really took me up on that offer, because it's not really... That's something the three has to learn. So not everybody wants to know how to commoditize. That's what I was trying to tell my father, right. is, like, not everybody gets value out of life by erecting a building. Mm. You know what I mean? Or turning it into a big payday. Yeah. Because the country thinks that's valuable. So I haven't thought about this connection before, but you're making me think about it. Are you familiar with terror management theory? Terror? Yeah. Terror McKenna? Terror management theory. <laughs> this is the idea that basically we all have existential dread and we're afraid of dying. And so we erect these structures and perform as a way of making sure our, our ego feels like it will go on. We right. name buildings after us. We have lots of possessions. We have children even. This is like a... Trump Tower. There, there you go. A perfect example. <laughs> so we have to manage our terror, we make, we make ourselves go on. We make ourselves bigger as mm. a way of escaping death anxiety. Mm. I would be so curious to know about the correlation for people with a three, like an achieving type and, and death anxiety. And if there's like some sort of latent right. existential dread underneath it. It's so interesting because we th- I was thinking about that today. It sort of surprises me how... 
I don't really remember a lot of things. So I almost feel better equipped to let go when it comes time to die. Yeah. Like Val has to remind me of things a mm. lot. She also woke up this morning and she was like, I had a dream that the police were chasing me, but I'm not nervous about anything. We talk about her dreams. And I was like, yeah, but I think we're all, that sounds like a death dream to me. Is that like, mm. I had a joke where I was like, if, if the cops knocked on my door and said, we see what you've been doing, come with us. I'd be like, okay. And I was like, I don't really feel like I'm guilty about my behavior, but we're all aware that there, this is why we love the Coen Brothers movies. There's something chasing us that's going to get us eventually. Yeah. That's one way to look at death. Yeah. It's a pretty shitty myth if you think about it, but that it's not. Like a, it's very I it. You're right. Death yeah. isn't it. Right. It's yeah. not a thou. Or it's not part of us. It's not part of us. Yeah. It's a flaw. It's something over there. I'll show you the quote over the sink. Oh. It's about death doesn't have to be seen as a failure. Mm. You know, it, it's, and Ram Dass says it's taking off a tight shoe. Oh, isn't that beautiful? that's so lovely. Yeah. And, oh, and, it's, and it's the, it's the culmination of the next mystery, yeah. the next spiritual journey or whatever. Yeah. And my hope is to stay in that space yeah. when I'm when I'm dying. I'll just have St. Gungi's visit me yes. bedside. That's right. Yeah. That's all you'll need, right? <laughs> it's all- With Val's dream, I think about that as having like fear qualities to it and how sometimes when we're doing our work as people, I think about doing this lots in therapy, we're not necessarily trying to get rid of emotion. We're trying to change our relationship to it. So when the anger comes up in the in the conflict, in the in the interaction with lots of feelings, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it for the two Conflict that you had, is good. That there is, that there is anger, but when anger isn't something we need to be afraid of, we don't have to shove it down or push it onto somebody and else. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Or if mm-hmm. she is having this fear, but if you're not afraid of fear, then you can be like, Oh look, I'm the fear is here. That's what Somebody's I saw Val doing. Me. She was like, yeah. I had fear. Yeah. I have Great. fear. Look at there. Yeah, it she's is. She's so good. She's that, so good. Oh, she is. She's just I can't greatest. wait to know her oh, more. Oh my God. We could see if she's here now. Do you want to see if she's here? Cause she'll, she'll be sad if she knew yeah. we were trying to get her. So really the, the, the summation of the whole conflict was I was going, I feel like my father mm. and Val was like, this is why this is one of the things I love about you the most is that you can identify mm. that you're enacting a script. You're, yeah. you're, you're reenacting a thing right. that was like, you don't value what I do. And this is where it gets into gender issues is I was, is I actually, I apologized for saying this and it wasn't said in, in anger. It was something that I thought about. I was like, should I say this? And I, and then I did, but it was, I would love to stay home with the baby. Mm-hmm. which is this idea that like when I say stay home with the baby, I mean like sleep in my own bed. I mean, hang out with an infant all day, but there is an under, and I'm admitting this, there's an underlying, what you do isn't as hard as what I do. Mm. And it's, and it's belittling. Mm. And here's Valerie. It sounds like, <gasps> Oh my gosh. Val, 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 Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. When, when we found out that I had the trip. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. Why you tell the story? Or, you, well, let well, me say yeah, one thing first. That, that I think part of the, the work of healing, of growing up, of taking responsibility is three things. So in personal growth, we talk about these three elements, awareness, range, and then choice. Mm. So the awareness of what's happening 
is one part of it. But then what we need to do is expand our range. So is my being afraid of my dad or being like my dad the only mode of being? Or do I also have a mode of being where I can know that I'm not like him or I can see you differently? Do I have all of these ranges? Or if you look at like, I'll embody this for a second because it might make more sense. If this is my only way of being, then what happens when you need me to be like this, like flowing? Mm -hmm. So I can be aware, oh, look, I'm stuck. I'm rigid. But the next move is like, how do I expand my range so that there's more option and then choice. So now based on my context and who's around, what suits you, what, what gets my needs met best? This might work, Mm -hmm. right? Rigidity might work sometimes. And there might be times with parenting where you're like, do not put that in your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We say as Lula's in here, but there are times when you need to be in flow. And if you don't have awareness or range, then you don't actually have choice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting because I feel like having the awareness you feel like, oh, well, we did it. We cracked it. And then like right, the job is done. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. We get a little self-congratulatory. Right. So even you saying like, wow, I know, I notice what's happening. Or you saying to Pete, I love that about you, that you can see what's happening is so good. It's the first step. Yeah. And then yeah. we need to expand our range. So what are the other ways of being? And then can we choose those? Oh. Right. Great point. Lila knows. She knows. She's got the answer. (laughs) She does. She's our greatest teacher. That's right. Yeah, I think in that conversation, it it was really important for both of us to be like, oh, I feel this way. And then realizing like, oh, because I don't want to have this similar dynamic and it did it was helpful that our parents both have this similar dynamic okay, yeah. and he's like i don't want to be my dad in this situation i'm like yes. great i don't want to be and not value what she's doing that's right right yeah and you don't want to play it out you don't mind that yeah your, your parents as well have a dynamic which i think a lot of families do which is what the man does is important especially because it's mm. the thing that makes money mm-hmm. so therefore i should it's assumed that I'll get the understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then it's just, I guess that was my side of it was I was really afraid that it would just always be assumed that I can stay with the baby and that there's no appreciation for the fact that that's like a hard job. And that's why it was toxic, I think, for me to say, I'd love to stay home with mm-hmm. the baby. That's that's a real mm-hmm. dick move. <laughs> I'm admitting. Maybe not a dick move, but it's a hurt thing to say or a hurtful thing to say. Well, I also hear implicit in what you're saying. So yes, there's all of that, the gender scripting and and right, all of that stuff wrapped in it. But I also hear that there is a a kind of emptiness to being on the road Mm -hmm. and that there is a, a call in us to have relational encounters with with our, with our tribe. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in like even Sternberg, I think it's Sternberg's relational theory of work that, that we have had to pay people to leave the home to incentivize them out of what they're naturally desired to be with, which is relation and connection. So like money was never meant to be the prize. It was meant to be the like compensation for the fact that you have to rip your heart in half. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. I tried to do a joke on stage about how they should call money time coupons. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's too real. It's too painful. Yeah. Like you start talking yeah. about your like whatever someone's making 
if they're giving you money, the answer is more than you, right? which is a heartbreaker. And then they're giving you time coupons to do something that you don't want to do right. yeah. so that you can use some of those time coupons to do what you do want to do. Yeah. And I, the only funny part of the bit is I'm like, how the fuck did we go wrong? Right. Like it, we used to just be hanging out, sitting on logs. There'd be one funny tribe yeah. guy, me, that would come out and occasionally entertain people. But now I withhold my gift for you to give me time coupons. And you know what I mean? And I benefit from it. Or think about what we were talking about earlier, where, where you said, you're such a good therapist. And I said, I'm not working right now. The idea is that like I have been incentivized to keep my caring relational capacity Dude. into an office. This is because, how I feel when I... Yep. Right? Because we extract it from our everyday life when actually I'm just trying to be me. And we assume that these things need to then be kind of removed. That's what we've been taught to do. Yeah. Turn ourselves into commodities. Yeah. That's why when you talk to a doctor at a party and he doesn't want to look at your mole, you're like, fuck you. (laughs) If I knew what moles, like cancerous moles looked like, I wouldn't go make an appointment. But we've become a make an appointment society, even with me being funny. (laughs) Right. Or somebody who can sing. Right. That's why Val is so beautiful. She'll just sing. Like Val doesn't Mm. have the compulsion to be like, come Friday. And I, I like being funny with people, but right. there are times when I'm like, I'm not going to dance for you. I'm, I come Friday at 8 PM. If you want to see the big show, right. That's a fucked up way to live. So think about this. <laughs> and like, in terms of cognitive learning theories, what we know is that rewards are really helpful for stimulating motivation, except if you actually want to do the thing. So if you, if you're teaching, think about like, let's say you want to teach Leela how to play piano later and she's going to take piano lessons. If she has an intrinsic motivation to play piano, then she'll play piano. But as soon as we start incentivizing piano playing with a reward system, the motivation becomes extrinsic. So we actually lose the ability to desire it from the inside and it becomes based on the reward. So if you love doing comedy, now that you're getting paid for it, it might be that we could see that it actually feels less enjoyable on some level. This is what Gilbert, Elizabeth right. Gilbert says, like turning your art into your job can exactly. often ruin it. So my mom and all her genius has said always to my brother and I, if, if you're thinking about careers, do the second thing that you love because you will always do the first thing. Oh, wow. Do the second thing because then you won't be selling your love to the man, basically. You won't be like right. co-opting which is why sometimes I can feel so dirty doing like a very high paying, like corporate show or something. Yeah. I'll, I'll feel conflicted about right. that. And I'll have to call my friends and be like, I feel a little prostitute right. right now. And they're just like, I've, one of my friends was like, yeah, you're their whore, but they love their whore. Yeah. That's what Gungi said. He was like, they love their whore. Enjoy it. Just play the game. Just be the whore. Just play the whore and be the whore. And love that it. gets complicated for me doing work that I think is meant to be distributed among just caring, caring humans, right? Mm-hmm. To be a therapist is like, I think that therapy only exists because as communities, we're not doing our job. Mm. So... People That's right. And, the, and comedians, you could probably say the same right. thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or alleviating. You like, have to pay me to be funny for right? you is like a weird. I, I've heard Seinfeld say that. Or I have, to, I have to pay you to create an experience of enjoyment for me because my life feels so monotonous. Right. That's what we say when people are like, you should laugh once a day. I was like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Just yeah. once. Hillary that's my McGee's. quota for the day. But I mean, unfortunately, yeah. like you, you see a BuzzFeed thing that's like, try to laugh once a day. I, maybe not BuzzFeed because it's like a hip thing. But I'm just saying, 
I don't think that's weird. If you told my mother, try to laugh once a day, she'd be like, that's good advice. So do you ever have the thing with your therapist, I guess, or either of you where you think like, oh, I'm just paying you. You care, but I'm just paying you to care. I don't have that problem. Oh, okay. Because that's what I do. Right, 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 yeah. You should should commoditize your special purpose. (laughs) And I don't have a hard time taking it as real love. Right. Good, I've yeah. I've never had that problem. Yeah. I, but I have friends that do. Right. Yeah, I don't know why, but I, I like, I've never thought of that. Yeah. I feel like... Oh, sorry to incept that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do think a lot of people feel that way, but... Yeah. Um, They're right, but like, who cares? But also... Also, yeah. the chef didn't love you. Eat your dinner. <laughs> yeah, isn't it delicious? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about you. But I guess also you're you're talking to two people who like have a a reasonable amount of self love and then have like a lot of love from other people. If somebody was really like hurting hurting and not feeling loved, then I could see them. Or if you just don't have the like the belief that you are lovable, Mm -hmm. then you're like, this is just another person. Yeah, you nailed it. It's like the projection onto the therapist. Mm -hmm. But I do often say to people, (laughs) way to go, ego stroke. I really cracked it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true, right? It's like people don't believe they're lovable and carry that around to whoever they're with. And that story just plays out, including in therapy. But the benefit of being a therapist is then that we can name that and call that out and we can challenge it. But what was that? The oh my gosh. <laughs> I would have believed it's been 20 hard I minutes. I am a fool. But I'm I say to fool. people, like, you don't pay me to love you. I love you because you're human and I'm human. Right. But you pay me so that you don't have to carry my burdens. So you enter into this space where there isn't mutuality. Not that we don't care and really love each other. It's that you pay me so that you don't have to listen to me <laughs> and I just get to listen to you. There's but, a Humphrey Bogart wow. joke where he goes, What's that? we don't pay for the sex. We pay for them to leave afterwards. That's his joke about <laughs> prostitutes, but like right. that there's truth. Right. And that, that relates to me as well. I feel like mm. we're, you're paying me to just be one facet of who right. I am. You know what I mean? Instead of what, all of my, uh, instead of all of them. And, yeah. and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, so there's a compartmentalization on both mm, sides. Yeah. So you're helping me understand. Yeah. Val, what, I don't know if we want to unpack that thing anymore, but I tried to tell the story. What was it for you? Um, it, it was just, it was one of those moments in a relationship where you, and I was saying to Pete, we're really fortunate that we don't have it this often. I think a lot of people... This is like a daily thing. Oh, yeah. Just one of those kind of moments where without even realizing it for ourselves or for the other person, like he is really tired of going on the road and I, yeah, sorry. And I am really tired of uh, of being alone with the baby. <laughs> and so it's like both of you want the other person to be like, wow, you're doing a right. lot of work. That's and right. I see that. I will. Um, and like, so when you're already like kind of in a scarcity yes. mode where you're wanting from the other person mm-hmm. and whoever gets to it first, mm-hmm. the other person is going to feel like, well, wait a minute. I yeah. not only do I not have extra to give you, yes. I, I need from you. Yes. Like I need you to do that. And, um, and so that's why it really was kind of 
resolved by both of us just being like, can I tell you my side of it? And then that the other person being like, you're right. I see how that would be hard. And then, you know, doing that for each other. But it is, I think it's. And after we did it, I realized how essential it was because we felt fine. Of course. Instantly better. The botanical gardens. And when we were walking around, I said, the me that was hurt by that silence after we talked about how I have to go on the road is so distant to me. And it was just because we talked about it. And this yeah. is what therapy is, basically. Yeah. We therapized each other, I suppose. Well, that's yeah. one kind of therapy. Yeah. yeah, sure. Oh, I didn't mean to pigeonhole. No, 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 no. But it's it's uh, therapy actually is the experience, not the talking. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So it's creating the experience of being seen or felt. Mm. And because we're verbal... Right. That's how we do it. But there are most of the therapy that I do as a trauma therapist is nonverbal. Right. So you're accessing the parts of your brain that store pain that have nothing to do with language or that are preverbal or that can't be accessed by language. But so therapy really is the experience of transformation of being with someone and getting your need met. And, and it's about feeling heard. Yeah. Right. And seeing that you actually had the same need, which was to be seen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In this instance, that's that trauma was solved by seeing. Yeah. But we have a word in our relationship, which is. Yeah. So we, we like discovered, and I feel like this was maybe when we had the baby especially but we like we discovered we needed a word for like hey i did this thing and i just need you to see that yeah we're both non-confrontational right and we're and i want to be liked so desperately so it can be hard for me to say like i did the dishes you know what i mean so we just go like I, the word is akimbo. So I go oh. like, I just needed a little akimbo. I did the dishes. And for some reason, the, it's even a cutesy word. But it is what it is. I, I need it. cutesy things. And I go like, I'm being cute, but uh, I did those dishes or whatever it is. Yeah. And now we'll say akimbo, I'm going to take care of the baby for three days. Yeah. And I go akimbo, you nailed it. I go, I'm lonely on the road. Mm-hmm. I go, I go into the hotel <laughs> And it's a hotel where we've stayed. And oh, my first feeling isn't... It's like missing. Yeah, or... it's not like... Uh, like you... It, it, for some reason we go like, I know you think I'm, I'm like... And I, this isn't true. I'm worried that you think is really what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's right. That I'm sleeping in and getting room service. But it's not. It's a black mm. car and a show and a flight. And then another flight. And then another flight. Mm. And then I come home and I've been in three time zones. Yeah. And I've seen every movie on Delta. You know what I mean? It's, and it, so you start to... That's the baby. Yeah. And I want you to say... The baby in the cage. The this baby in the cage. we talked about earlier. Uh, <laughs> she knows the baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Of course you do. That's and right. I just go like, for some reason, and Val's so good at this, I just go like, I just sometimes need you to be like, it's so stupid. Well, it's not. That's... It's... I need you to go like, thanks for doing that for the yeah. family. And then I just go, thank you for doing that for the mm. family. And I love you and I miss you the most. But I'm wondering, because my side of it, too, is like, I need, I have this thing where, where I can like get into like, what's fair and equal. Oh, yeah. The scorekeeping. Yes. Where I'm like, and especially because I saw that my parents never doing that. Mm. Um, And so I will, I will, I only start scorekeeping when I get, when I'm getting tired. But then I'm like, well, is this equal? Is this, you know. And then, um, and then I have a thing about like, 
I should be using my voice and standing up for myself. Mm. And so that was the place that I was coming from. But I guess that that's where, <laughs> that's where, um, you're saying maybe the range would come in is being like, Oh, I have this. And now can I not do, is that the only way I have to be? Well, one of the things we talked about earlier, yes, that's one part of it. But one of the things we talked about earlier is noticing the depletion before it gets to the point where we're building resentment and we right. need to start scorekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. The pennies. So to notice like when we're a little bit tired and be like, Hey, I'm a little bit tired. And I see, like, I see that these things are coming up. Can we strategize around that? Yeah. Means that it doesn't get to the point where it's so much fatigue right. and like, um, kind of resentment that, that yeah. we hurt each other or tell stories. Like Brene yeah. Brown has the thing that she says, um, the story I'm telling myself about you right now is as a way of acknowledging right. like, oh, this is the story that's playing out and I'm naming that it's a story. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yes. I was like, you, I'm telling the story that my father yeah. told himself about his, yeah. my mother, yeah. which is you don't appreciate, you don't understand what I right. do. You, you just right. for some reason you just want to scream like you think it's a vacation, right? You know what I mean? It's hard for about, me. Like if, it's just a baby. It's hard for me. Right, right. And it gets complicated when you do have a dream job. You know, right? People are like you're like it's not. It doesn't mean it's easy or yeah. whatever. Just because it's rewarding. Yeah. So a lot of people probably have rewarding jobs, free cupcakes. I'm imagining. Right. But like. <laughs> That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't take away whatever is right. also going on. Well, if you say to me, "You don't understand me," or you say the story I'm telling myself is, is that, that you, you don't, don't understand me, all of a sudden by prefacing it with the story I'm telling myself, I moved into compassion already, right? Yeah. And being able to say, I hold the mic so I can't applaud. <laughs> so good. Yeah, right kick. Kick. give it a kick. <laughs> that, so right, I moved into like. Oh, I'm allying with you against right. this childhood narrative that's playing out, and oh, you, oh, I'm so sorry that your pain right. is triggered. Yeah. Oh, what a painful story to tell. How can I help you tell a different story? Yeah. Right. Like that's what what we do in our marriage is, like, naming. I, I'm this old thing is playing out, and then instead of like you're the bad one. The thing is the bad one in a way, not to like villainize it, but like yeah. the old pattern is the problem, not you or I are the problem. Right. Oh, how can we partner together to be like to do something new over there? Right. Wow. I love that. Mm. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to go teach oh. dance. I, mean, I, I think I'm a little bit, but I have to be prepared. Okay. Are you going to take oh, this one? We'll miss I you. Know. I know. I oh. wish I could stay here forever. Love you, Lee. Oh, Bye, Lee. Stay together forever. Say something, Leela. Of your valuable advice because oh. of just who you are. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's the microphone That's has been right. very hard for Leela to resist. Oh, I know. And she's eating it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All that texture. Yum. Okay, bye okay, sweet bye. ones. I'll see you. Bye, baby. Thank you. Bye, Lee. Yeah, that that is just the re- I joke free podcast when I'm like that's just like that's just a ten thousand dollar piece oh. of t- that's a ten thousand dollar tool mm. of just like that's what was happening was the story yeah. I'm telling myself is that you don't understand me yeah. and the, I thought Val might have said this but at the end of this conflict she said that the pause after I said that I had to go on the road 
wasn't of even. Of course it wasn't. I know. I know. Wait, but so how here... many times? But I thought it was. I thought we're both feeling the smoke bomb in our bellies. She was looking out the window. So here's the, imp- <laughs> here's the impulse control thing, though, is to know that the story you're telling isn't the only thing that's happening and to have enough impulse control to say, what happened for you in that pause? Yeah. Right. To interrupt the story. Right. Before it even starts playing and to go, oh. There's a road I'm going down, but I wait know. a second. There's more information here. I know. You just shifted. Can you tell, like, right. I, what's going on for you? Right. Instead of now I'm telling a story and I get emotionally involved and now my nervous system is activated and glucocorticoids are released and now <laughs> my heart's racing. Yeah. To be like, what's happening? I'm right. going to be curious. Right. First. I could have stopped it for myself and said, like, do you feel okay about yeah, that? Yeah. What's uh, happening for you? Yeah. What? Instead of projecting, because right. and this is Valerie, and you've been with her a little bit. She's not that person. Right. She's not the like. Exactly. God help me if I was with somebody that was like you were just on the road and like really didn't understand me. She paused, and in a pause, I was like, and I was like, nobody. And I know, I I know we've gone back to my dad a lot. I know that's how my father feels. He says all the time that he's like, he only feels like powerful and respected at work. And then he comes home and nobody gets him. Like, I know, I I feel your pain, Mm. but I don't want to, that's not what's happening here. Mm. But for some reason we take that on. Wow. Something else you said that was interesting about TM, transcendental (laughs) masculinity, um, toxic appreciate the abreaves. The Loving abreaves. abreaves. The Gungers and I, we we hang we we hung out a lot. We hang out a lot. We've been talking about um, masculinity a lot, achieving um, sexuality a lot. And one of the things that I'm working on a joke about it, which was like, I, I I've been thinking about sex wrong. And one of the things that you said that is right from my brain was that like, I think you said achieving anxiety, like uh, achievement orientation. Yeah, well, we were or, talking about erectile dysfunction. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. My joke is that men achieve erections. Right. And we right. see them as achievements. It's even in the language. Right. Yeah. And then like everything, it's, it is very um, I, it, a lot uh-huh. of times with sex. Yeah. It's like, and this is reinforced. And I just want to say it every time I think it, because I think it's valuable. It's like, right. I feel like men have been sold or maybe grew, I don't know, their own, I'll just speak for myself. Sure. That sexuality is about like ownership. Right. Like it's about yes. like domination. Domination, power and control, like ownership, I, I see conquest. The things that are going through my head mm. that turn me on. And mm. I don't think that they're na- necessarily naturally occurring. I think mm. there were things that were. One of the first things my dad told me about sex was the man is the aggressor and that's okay. And I told that to Valerie mm. and she was like, that is really at the core of what the problem is. is well, that's that rape were, culture. Exactly. And I didn't understand yeah. that. And of course, because it was my father and I love my father, I was yeah. like, how dare you? Right, you know, right, I had like right. a little defense for him. Yeah. But it's like, it is. And he doesn't know that. And I didn't know that. Yeah. But then that that goes into like, you want to, like even when people, and I don't mean to be crude, but people are like, work the walls or like, it is, it's rape culture and it's, but it's mm-hmm. I, it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've been trying to get into with Val and the Gungers and I have talked about this is like, is like, just what does it feel like to kiss Mm. instead of thinking, being scared that you won't be able to 
work the walls. Right. You see what it's so like moving, we've been sold a bad story. Right. Moving out of performance into almost like a mindfulness experience. That's it. Like so for people I do a lot of embodiment work because embodiment's at the center of well one being human and two like uh eating disorder stuff, trauma stuff, right? Anxiety stuff. It's it's really at the root of so so much creativity, spirituality. But one of my favorite things to do is prescribe masturbation as a mindfulness activity. Like when you're about to climax, I want for you to very, 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 very carefully be aware of all the sensations that are happening in your body as if you could then describe them to me and replay them after. Mm. So instead of like the accomplishment of an orgasm, it's like, I want to, I want to try and memorize this body memory of a sensation in a way that takes me into it. Mm. even more. Mm. But we use sexuality as this like one as a conquest and as an escape from our bodies. I've always said it, right. when I was young, it was like putting water on a fire. Right. It was getting something out of the way. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're totally right on. And instead of taking it deep, deeper into our I thou and into our embodied experience of our mystical existence. Right. You, so the joke starts with, okay. I, I recently noticed that my masturbation face people there's a podcast when i start to masturbate is a scrunched like my eyes close and i start like really trying to think of something erotic it is a departure from the moment in the strictest sense of the word and that that i thought was really funny it's also very painful and sort of weird and when i've tried to be mindful when i'm masturbating i often notice that i'm not actually horny like mm. I was anxious mm. or I was scared. And like yeah. I've had really transcendent moments where I'm like, when I'm really in my body and I'm just doing this, I see that my penis is not interested. Right. That's why the scrunch right. and the like, how like, many asses happen. can I imagine? Yeah. It's, it's such a, but it, it comes from, if one of the most early things I was told was that sex, you're the aggressor and that's right. okay. Then I'm, and then my church tells me that, that sex is evil as right. well, so I have that Oof. as well. So then you're just sort of like, well, I'm going to get this out of me, almost like an exorcism. Right. It wasn't yeah. about pleasure. So then masturbation for a lot of people is an emotion regulation tool. It's not about That's sensuality. Right. It's yeah. like, I'm going to manage this other thing that I don't know how to manage. That's right. But I wanted to go back and ask you if you could have said something else to your younger self besides what your dad said. Right. What would you have wanted to say instead of men are the aggressor and that's okay? To me, now when Val and I practice this and we will um, gaze, we'll look at each mm-hmm. other for you know four or five minutes, sometimes mm-hmm. longer, just looking at each other. I would say that sex really is about two things becoming one mm-hmm. thing instead of one thing fucking another mm-hmm. thing. And this goes into colonization. This mm-hmm. goes into ownership. This goes into achieving. We want to go and ring the bells. Yeah. We want to fuck the woman. You know what I mean? It's like, get the thing. Whereas when Val and I do that and take the time to connect, um, the the way that I wrote the joke was, it was all about like, let her have a cookie first so she'll have an orgasm. So like postpone your eating a cookie so she can eat the cookie. And then after she's had her cookie, now it's your cookie time and you want to like maximize your cookie. So it's like what position or what what do I want to be able to see or touch or right. feel or this or be doing so that my cookie is the best cookie. It's all about the moment of the orgasm. Like that's what the mm-hmm. whole thing is. It's mm-hmm. just like getting the ultimate 
cookie. Whereas, which I what I wish I could tell my younger self is is about disappearing. Right. It's about vanishing. Yeah. That's what marriage is too. Yeah. When two become one, it's this idea of returning hmm. to the singularity, basically going back to the the oneness of everything. And sex can be erotic and can mm. be all of these fun sensory things. Right. But behind it, in its best way, I'm not thinking about my dick at all. Right. Or her well, orgasm yeah. at all. These are things that are just hopefully happening. So any I thou is meant to point us to the ultimate I thou, which is like connection with all things. And That's we have right. this like laboratory experiment of I thou in partnership. That's right. Or in a sexual encounter. But you know, I've done quite a bit of research in the field of sexual functioning and um one of the things that really strikes me is how much sexual script uh, rigidity impairs actually people's experience of sexual satisfaction. So the more rigid your script, like uh, we kiss for two minutes, I take off her bra. Um, and this is very heteronormative in this example that I'm giving. And then, you know, she pulls down my pants, she sucks my penis for three minutes, and then we do vaginal penetration and then it's over, mm -hmm. right? This like five step, this is how our sex always looks. The more rigid the sexual encounter or the, the script, the less satisfaction there is. Mm. And there are all of these rules about what the script is supposed to look like when we look at toxic masculinity, which is like, um, vaginal penetration and orgasm right? And sex is a conquest. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to see in the research that the science is actually telling us that if you reprioritize what a sexual encounter looks like towards a human encounter where orgasm is not the ultimate outcome or measure of success, but being with mm. and experiencing the other is the ultimate measure of success, then you could have a satisfying sexual encounter where all you do is stroke the other person's arm. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a, a colleague of mine, he was a former professor, but did research into people who have mystical experiences during sex. And what was fascinating about it is when they had these transcendent encounters with the divine during sex, that it actually left a lasting, without the use of psychedelics, that it left a lasting imprint on their narrative of sexual encounter and actually shifted gender scripts that they were like, I don't want there to be a hierarchy anymore. Right. Everybody matters. Right. Everything belongs. Right. We're all connected. Yeah. But we, that's what I mean. Mm. Like holding on to the story of my penis and her vagina yeah. is in the way. And right. that's where uh, erection anxiety comes in. It's really isolation. Yeah. It's really loneliness. And it's really a, a reluctance to blend. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's the opposite of sex. Right. It's, we've, I've been thinking about it. It's like masturbating inside of somebody mm. or using somebody. Mm. And yes. Valen, that's, yeah. Val, this is the way I put it. It's not like we've been having, or my whole life I've been having bad sex. I just feel like I've gotten lucky, mm. just as good as probability. Mm. Like every once in a while, Val and I would have sex in the past and be like, wow, we really disappeared or would be like, yeah. we were one thing. Yeah. And that would happen. But now knowing that that's sort of the goal the goal, you know what I mean. The point, yeah, the, I don't know how hope. to say the um, hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the potential, the potential. Yeah, that there's something more than just the parts happening. That that you can have something mystical, and you can feel less alone. Yeah, more than just like, wow, that was a great orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> As a thing to be accomplished, right? Again, yeah. then we go back to achievement mentality and self-sufficiency. Even in our most physically embodied 
uh, experiences of encounter, we can still be alone. But isn't that, maybe that's what's going on that men are threatened that sex itself is a very sort of feminine thing. It's it's mm. a surrendering. It's a joining. It's a, joining, mm. it's a flowing. Unless you make it a conquest. Unless you make it about, there's this hilarious, I find it darkly funny, in American Psycho, it's a, I, right. it's not to say, I, <laughs> there was a time I really loved that movie. I'm not embarrassed by that, but I don't watch it anymore. There was a time that that movie was really great for me. And there's a funny moment where he's having sex and he looks in the mirror and he's flexing his muscles and looking at himself in the mirror. And it's like this real, it's supposed to be fucked up. But you're like, that's what I think a lot of men Mm. are doing is Mm -hmm. they're trying to impose their toxic masculine narrative Mm -hmm. into something that is not inherently masculine. You're trying to become the aggressor instead of the merger. Yeah. And that's where you get those those bad jokes that I made yeah. earlier. <laughs> those so gross jokes. So can you answer my question? What would you say to your younger self in like a instead of what your dad said? Well, I thought I thought I, I answered Oh, it, I was hoping no. for like a a a, a quote uh, a bit. <laughs> I guess maybe you're catching me not knowing how to answer it other than it's about two things becoming one mm. thing. It's a it's about uh, emerging mm-hmm. yeah he was i mean he, i see that and i i don't want to avoid your question oh i thought you answered it oh, okay good yeah and I you passed the test okay. <laughs> no i was trying to not fail the vulnerability test mm-hmm. I, I know i gave you the answer but my therapist sometimes mm-hmm. catches me mm-hmm. um flexing some sort of understanding mm-hmm. and i was starting to demonstrate that i understood what you said mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of answering what you said mm-hmm. Because I started to think about, I've, I've known a lot of men that make jokes, stand-ups that make jokes about their penises being like knives. I know that's fucking terrible, mm. but I think that's what's going on. Mm. Or, or penises being like weapons. Or, right. And, they, and, and, you know, Freud, police batons and all these things. Yeah, man. Uh, heavy stuff. Yeah. But I mean, we what, got here. Now I'm 40 years old, though. Mm. How did it take me so long to go mm. like the best sex of my life has been the most vulnerable sex of my life? Yeah. And I don't mean womanly, I just mean feminine. It's been, it's felt very feminine, meaning mm. very open. Mm. Still great, but it's been very, if I had to describe a, a gender or a, uh, Whatever right. that yeah, is, I, I wouldn't something. be like a construct to it. It wouldn't mm. be ringing the bell or right. slam dunking a basketball or spiking yeah. a football. It was way more like a, a river going down a mountain or it something. Sounds like all that undoing that you've done. Yeah. Like the letting the letting go of the stories. Right. But you know what's so painful for me listening to you say that is that some people will never experience that. Like lucky you that you have it at 40. But that's what I'm saying is, but yeah. I think I'm an, I've been to therapy. I've been in the mystical stuff. And I'm 40 and I just stopped going, when Val kisses me, I stopped going, do I think I have it? Mm. Do I feel Mm. able to do it? What if we just make out? That is the most girly, not girly, Mm. you know what I mean. Val is very like, I would be so happy to just make out. But my story is she's kissing me to see if I can perform. Yeah. Even perform. We achieve and then we perform. Mm. And that's fucking Mm. the worst. That's the treatment for erectile dysfunction. It's something called the good enough sex model by Barry McCarthy. 
which says we're Barry. changing Barry. <laughs> he's he's old and he oh he's at all of these like academic sex conferences just ripping it up. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Also going to an academic conference where it's just about arousal is a very interesting thing to be with a bunch of academics for like six days and all you're doing is talking about the theoretical and neural substrates of arousal, physiological wow. arousal. Wow. It's amazing. And it's the least sexy thing ever. And well, yet it's I watched yeah. Masters of Sex where oh, the second okay. season right, is right, all right. about how he can't uh, achievement or whatever, get an yeah. erection. And what they do is maybe what you're talking about, they would do a lot of like, just touch my face, just feel what it right. feels Sensate like. Sensate focus, which is a specific clinical intervention. What were you going to say though? What so Barry, uh, Barry McCarthy's good enough sex models, we change the, the sexual script. And so good, good sex becomes whatever feels satisfying and connecting for us and mm-hmm. not having an orgasm. So mm-hmm. if let's just say two people are having a sexual encounter and like um, a male becomes flaccid, he can no longer sustain an erection that you move into something else that feels sensual and, and gratifying and connecting. Mm-hmm. And often either the erection will return or you're like, this was so well, that's wonderful. That's one of my favorite jokes. Right? I have a joke right now where I go, sometimes Val and I will be having, I, I talk about the reason I'm um, straight is not because I think dicks are gross. It's because I find female energy very arousing to me. And I go, as an example of this, sometimes I'll be having sex with Val and I lose my erection, and then she tells me that's okay, and then I get an erection, and I go, I right. call it a forgiveness bonus. Yes, but well, I mean, the anxiety is gone, and the anxiety right. was the problem with the like the erectile dysfunction in the first place. Right, of it's course, like all this performance anxiety. But this is the opposite. Right. I'm going to give myself a compliment. It's the opposite of comedy right. that I see. All comedy is. Most comedy albums could be called "Always Hard." Right. You know what I mean? It's just like never, never weak. Because it's all, it's a date night activity, so you want an alpha under the lights being like, you know, when your erection has a vein in it or whatever. And like, it's, just like, <laughs> it's just like idiots. So I make fun of that. I, I love going like, and I lose my erection. I go, fellas, and like right, just try and get them to right, admit that. Right. But that's also just me trying to get my father to admit vulnerability. Oh. Listen, <laughs> we don't have that much time. What time oh. is it? 12.05? Where did the morning go? Holy. I have to go, I think. Yeah. Shit. H. McB. <laughs> we got to gear up for round two. I don't know. <laughs> when can you do round two? We didn't even talk about God. <laughs> I oh, I, I'm down here every every month or every two months or something doing liturgist stuff. So Well, no fooling. We'll, we'll do the second round. Oh, my gosh. Where we'll just get into just you right more. We don't know anything about you. <laughs> we learned nothing about you. Uh, except we, I had an eating disorder. Yep. Uh, you don't know Shame. my Enneagram. Shame. You think the Enneagram is a, is a shortcut. We've learned a lot of your techniques and philosophies and some of your, and your I thoughts. I like Martin Buber. Yeah. Uh, I've done some research in the field of sex. and You've sex been to five-day conferences about arousal. arousal. That's what. That's it. That's where we. That's where we land. And you're a mystic, and which you teased. <laughs> which it, why I was excited to talk to you about God. But I have. We have to. I okay. have to go take care of the baby. Yeah. Let's do it. So, chef. So this is where I end. <laughs> I, I. I said at the beginning that usually at the end we say, "Is this good?" I, I don't feel good. Pause. <laughs> How about we pause? I feel like we're just getting started. Do you, Katie, would you run in and just ask Val if, if she needs me to come in? Yeah. I'm so sorry to keep having you do that. And while she's gone, why don't you just tell me, tease us a little bit about what you believe about 
What's the story you tell yourself about the universe? Oh. She does. Okay. Mm. Sorry. No, I'm, Don't be, I'm you're sorry. You're not doing anything wrong. We were just laughing about <laughs> That's right. <laughs> sorry that I have a thing that I have to do. No, you're not sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so uh-oh. Going great. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I am teaching a dance class. Oh, yes, you are. <gasps> I'm my dance class starting June 16th on Sundays. You're going to have a lot of <laughs> podcast fans. That's great. June 16th, starting at 10. What is the website? It's Studio A Dance. Yeah. StudioADance.com? Oh, I'm not sure, but just Google Studio A Dance. She, she's not a three. <laughs> Studio A Dance Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, I, And starting June 16th, you're having a, a dance class called Wild and Free. And for the oh. month of June, it's free. And it's like... These are these are keywords for Hillary. It's um it's just like embodiment and presence through dance. Oh oh nailed it. You know my brand. That's right. That's what I know what you're about. Magic, <laughs> mindfulness. Yeah. Movement. Uh, movement. Movement. Meditation, meditation and, magic. and magic. Sold. But it's also just like Sold. a Beyonce dance party. Oh. With Valerie. Oh. How so can you go free wrong? For, free for June. Yep. Free for the month of June. Yeah. I love okay, you, Mama. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Now I have Lee. Okay. So we can go as long as Lee's good. Uh, I and gotta. You're good. Oh, you. Oh, have to we go. gotta go. We're doing a retreat. Lisa and I are doing a retreat. You have to go now. Pretty soon. I got. Well, I could. How long does it t- take to call a lift? Because I gotta get a lift. Five ten. Okay. Yeah, five minutes. I need to be at their place at twelve thirty. You should go. Ish. Okay. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm gonna be respectful <laughs> of your time and say you should go now. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so sad. I'm I just so wanted to sad. end. I don't either. This is the worst moment <laughs> of my day. Oh my God. I'm so depressed. Oh, no. You've not helped oh, me in one way. I'm I worse. I've I'm just kidding. Worse. I'm so I just sorry. was so excited. Oh, oh I was so excited to talk to you. Oh. That's Leela breathing into the mic as well. Yeah. And we're just going to, it's, it's decided you're going to do it again. Okay. And I can't wait. Okay. Me neither. Toxic masculinity We're for 20 talk. minutes a day, twice a day. <laughs> Got to do that, TM. First thing in the morning. I start Definitely my day better with, with 20 a minutes of toxic masculinity. Do it with a partner. And I do it with always with Definitely a partner. Definitely when you're parenting. Yeah, absolutely. While parenting is the best. Oh, I can't wait to not. What's the opposite yeah. of toxic? Alkaline? I'm going to be <laughs> alkaline masculinity with, with Leela. Well, masculinity is not bad. Just the toxic variety. Is, right. Right. Just yeah. the construction. No. That's been created okay okay so this is where we end this is feels so like premature it is premature it's like a premature ejaculation but without if that happens you know we just move on to an arm touch that's right that's right we're just gonna move on it's okay (laughs) it's okay um well where you we where can people hear you because they're okay. gonna want more ask science mike there's three episodes three called episodes, ask hillary yeah. McBride. i'm uh, one of the co-hosts of the liturgist podcast i have and my you're also just the co-host yep. yeah um and i have a podcast called other people's problems which is me doing therapy you can listen to me doing therapy with my patients um i've got a couple books out um what are they called mothers daughters and body image learning to love ourselves as we are and embodiment and eating disorders it's more of an academic um book philosophy academic research book did you do the audio book no for <laughs> I'm the, just kidding. 
put All everyone to sleep. Uh. Citation, Gilligan, 2012. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and you can find me on Instagram, uh, Hillary Leanna McBride, on Twitter, Hillary L. McBride, and uh, my website, HillaryLMcBride.com. And you can find you back on this podcast where we'll start with God. <laughs> I'll just bring my CV. You know God as everything, Leela. That's right. You I'll bring my CV. I'll just just start reading things I've done. Then you'll know a little bit more about me. I love just joking. it. We'll do it. Um, right. Well, we end with you, the guest, saying the most premature keep it crispy of all time. Oh, my gosh. Is there, is there context? Is there anything else that I say? Well, for you, keep it crispy. Crispy might mean – you just say keep it crispy. Okay. But it can, for, it can mean whatever you want. Okay. But I have a feeling it would be like mindful – embodied i'd prefer to do a movement form of keep it crispy oh okay but that's really hard for a podcast so i will i'll restrict it to an audio version but in my mind i'm picturing the movement that goes along with it and i would encourage listeners to also embody whatever that listen that sounds like for them keep it crispy it was barefoot in a field with your hand straight towards this guy that's right (laughs) maybe also one karate kick I did so many crawl oh, kicks. Okay, let's too. get you out of here. Okay. So crispy, my jeans, I'm on the shoes, they fit there. I'm so crispy, I'm so crispy. My ice game, make you haters want to get.